This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Wrestling Network, friends and family, happy Thanksgiving. For if you're listening to this on the day it dropped, it is Thanksgiving Day 2023. Um, So either A, uh, you're in the midst of cooking and you're not near the TV. B, you could give a crap about the Lions and the Packers because I think that's the early game. Uh, Or you're like me and you care about the Cowboys and they don't play till 4 o'clock. Uh, or C, uh, you're just in the mood for wrestling because it is Thanksgiving. And we all know what's going on Saturday night in Chicago, uh, if you're listening to this in 2023. Uh, <laughs> if you're not, hi. <laughs> it's probably Thanksgiving anyway. Welcome to the Turkey episode of Wrestle Tracks, where we go back in time to a past show and we live watch. Talk about things going on at that time in history, uh, both uh, in terms of wrestling and sports, and uh, um, TV, and uh, this one was a thing on TV, uh, because uh, we have a special topic uh, going on on both the PTB Wrestling Network and the PTB Pop Experience. So let me bring in my uh, compadre, he is the tri-host of It Was a Thing on TV over on uh, the PTB Pop Experience. Good uh, morning, afternoon, or evening, Mr. Greg Diener. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you, Scott. And you know what? I'm so happy we're doing this tonight for Survivor Series because you know what? I know it hasn't been on Thanksgiving around that time in years, but you know what? When I think of Thanksgiving, I think of the Survivor Series. Yes, I don't think of Starcade. As far as I'm concerned, I think of Starcade in December. We thank you for voting. Uh, you you picked this. That's the one thing we like about Wrestle Tracks. We may pick the options, but you ultimately pick the show. And just to look ahead for December, uh, we'll go back to three choices, um, and they're all very different, and they're all from different eras. So a little more variety in um, uh, for December's uh, wrestle tracks. We'll talk more about that at the end of the. I'll give you the choices even uh, at the end of the show. So tonight, as uh, Greg mentioned, of course the the vote was for either Survivor Series 1987. Or Starcade 1987, because both shows happened on this night. And we dis- and you voted, and you felt a little more uh, team-oriented than, you know, watching Ronnie Garvin job <laughs> in the most predictable main event in Jim Crockett I, Promotions history. Oh, uh, so, who's, who's, who's going to win that match, Scott? I, I know, really. You're... Nobody gave a crap when he won, it, when he won the belt in September, so... Um, <laughs> So, of course, you picked Survivor Series 1987. So we'll be heading to Richfield, Ohio uh, shortly. 
Uh, but first, uh, why don't we do get some work out of the way? Um, Greg, before we start, why don't you give us, for those that may not know, the reason why the two shows from 1987 were the choices? I know we mentioned it last month, but for those that are listening to this for the first time, welcome. We have a couple of shows previous to this. You don't have to listen to them. They're all standalones. You can listen to them anytime you like. But uh, let everybody know why we picked these two shows as their what? choices for this month. Well, Scott, on it was a thing on TV. As a tradition every year, we cover the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Now, when we first started, we did 1983 in 2019. We did 2020, uh, we did 84, 2021, 85. You get the idea. So mm-hmm. this year, we're doing 1987. And we figured probably for this month, it'd be kind of cool to see what happened and sync up on the day of the Thanksgiving day parade. So. Mm, I agree. Uh, and you all chose the more Thanksgiving pick of survivor series, uh, 1987 Starcade. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think th- this was the last year that Starcade was on. Thanks. was in November. I yes. think 88, I think a starting with, uh, 88, they went to December because the uh, cable companies were tired of the bullshit and told them either you guys work it out or we're airing neither of them because we make more than enough money on porn. So we don't, we don't need your stupid yeah. wrestling. Well, um, well, the story is like, I think the cable operators wanted to have both on the same day, but Vince pulled the power play to have like, you're only going to carry our show. Cause the plan was probably, to, I think Dave Meltzer said it, Starcade would be in the afternoon, Survivor Series at night. We'll have like a package deal for both shows and we'll make a whole ton of money on Thanksgiving. And Vince said, no, 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 that's not how it's going to work. Right, exactly. So then they instead they decided to battle each other free show versus paid because, of course, looking ahead, the Royal the 88 Rumble for free went up against Bunkhouse Stampede. That was a no brainer because that show sucked. Then you went to uh, WrestleMania four, which went up against clash of the champions one then fast forward a year and you had wrestlemania five which went up against a show that you and i did uh back uh during the stream lounge days and that was clash of the champion six which of course had one of my favorite official crockett match of all time which was steamboat versus flair the two out of three after that everyone's like cut the shit there's more than enough dates in this world to go around cut the crap and then it stopped after that pretty much so why don't we get ready now so oh before we start uh not much in the way of sports other than football on this date in 1987. So what was going on in the other leagues, uh, Greg, on this night besides the two football games? Okay, well, in the NHL, we had the Bruins playing the Winnipeg Jets at the Boston Garden. The yes. Bruins Bruins were 5-3 winners. Yeah. Bruins, Bruins scored three goals in the third period. Jeff Courtnell scored the tying goal. Woo-hoo. Ken... Ken Lindsman got the go-ahead goal, and Steve, Ka- Steve Casper got a shorthanded goal to ice it. Yes, and, of all those guys. And one person we talked about in an earlier show, Dale Howarchuk, had an assist in this game. Ah, yes. Dale Howarchuk, yes. So there we go. So one NHL game. Uh, any hoops? Uh, one NBA game at the uh, original Arco Arena in Sacramento. Because 
remember, Scott, when the mm-hmm. Kings moved from Kansas City to Sacramento, like 84, 85, they like literally converted an office building into like a makeshift arena until they actually built the actual Arco Arena. Yes. So this was the last year, I think, in the original Arco Arena. The Kings were playing the Nets this night. The Kings were 110 to 102 winners. And um, let me give you the top scorers for the Nets. We have Otis Birdsong with 26 points. Dennis Hobson with 22. Buck Williams had 16. And uh, for the Kings, oh, it was a thing on TV podcast favorite. The great Reggie Theus led the Kings in scoring with 25 (laughs) points. That speaks volumes. Frank. (laughs) Franklin Edwards had 19 points. Otis Thorpe had 13 points. But funny, on the bench, Ed Pickney, 1985 Villanova legend, 15 points. Mm, there we go. God, I hate those Villanova guys. Uh, being a Georgetown fan. Uh, uh, so, yes. Uh, so, there we go. Now, of course, uh NFL that day, back when there was only two games, I definitely remember the late game. Uh, that was the Dallas Cowboys losing in overtime uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. I remember that game very well. Um, the Cowboys would end up going 7-8 and eight that year because that was the strike year, which was one game better than they did the year before. But then 1988, uh, the great Tom Landry's last year, the bottom totally fell out. Um, I don't remember who the Lions played early. The Lions played the Chiefs. Oh, that's weird. That was well, the NBC game, yeah. Right, that's right. So the Lions, back then when there was actually delineation, obviously the Lions had to be on NBC because the Cowboys were on CBS because they were playing another NFC team. So, all right, why don't we just get fired up because we got a good show ahead of us. So let's uh, get your Peacock ready, or if you're watching it on DVD, or I don't know if there was a Blu-ray, a Survivor Series Blu-ray set. Uh, all right, so everybody get your Peacock ready in three Two, one. And we get an overhead shot of the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio, where three of the first six, I did the math right. Yes, three of the first six Survivor Series would be. It would be back here the following year in 1988. And then after some in a few other places, including my home state, uh, it came back to Richfield in 1992. Um, of course, 89, it was in Chicago. 90, it was at the Hartford Civic Center here in Connecticut, which my uh, my brother went to that show. I did not. And then 1991, uh, it was at the Joe, Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit. Of course, that was the Ric Flair one. And now uh, we see Gorilla and Bobby, uh, Gorilla and Bobby, listen to me, Gorilla and Jesse uh, coming to the uh, to their broadcast positions. Jesse with the, with the, uh, uh, pilgrim hat on and uh, of course gorilla with his usual crushed velvet uh, jacket so um i thought this was an interesting concept to actually have a pay-per-view on thanksgiving uh, yeah I'm, i wonder if that was a risk do you think um well i mean crockett had done it for like five years so yeah that's true Um, I love that. I love that outfit Jesse has on with the snake skin coat. Yes. And I wanted that Survivor Series T-shirt. Now we have uh, an open with all of the guys. Um, 
you know that are on the uh, that are on the show this uh, evening. The champions at this time, of course, uh, there's the original Survivor Series logo, which would change by eighty nine. I think it would be the familiar logo that you would see. I think through ninety five. I think yeah, ninety five, and then they would go to then they would switch it up every once in a while. So. Of course, this building was the home of the Cavs. Cleveland Cavaliers played in Richfield, which is weird because Richfield's like, I don't want to say it's not close to Cleveland, but Richfield's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Oh, oh well, my podcast co is Mike Claus. He's like in he lives in Cleveland around that area. And yeah, it's like 20 miles away from downtown Cleveland. And I yeah, believe. If you look, yeah. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. Finish more. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, well, I believe and Mike's told me this that the Richfield Coliseum now is an empty field. It's now like, it's like part of like a park, not a park, but it's kind of like a reserve nature reserve or something now on that site. So the building's not even there. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause if you do, if you do like overhead shots of it, it's literally like a, a, a an arena and then like grass. And <laughs> that's pretty much it. If you, if you looked at an old overhead shot, so Jesse and Gorilla are going over the rules for how uh, uh, how Survivor Series is going to work. Of course, it's uh, teams of uh, five, and uh, if you are pinned, you are eliminated. There are four matches tonight. We have, and they're all pretty much set by um, by the uh, uh, level of competition or the level or division. In other words, we have a mid card match, we have a women's match. We have a tag, and we have the main event. So every level of co- of of business within the company creatively has its own match. We have the mid card, then we'll have all the women, and then we'll have the tags. So those will be ten guys on a side, and then that's awesome. I love that shot. I can't wait to yeah. get to it. Just like the ring is just a big circle of dudes, and then uh, and then of course our main event, which pretty much is as we all know is Team Hogan. Uh, versus Team Andre. So, um, look at those Ohioans. They look like <laughs> Ohioans. Um, go Cavs! Now, Craig DeGeorge is interviewing the uh, heel mid-card team, led by the captain, the intercontinental champion, the Honky Tonk Man, who, of course, won the title back in June and is in the midst of his record-breaking run. Uh, of course, he was feuding with the freshly-turned babyface uh, macho man Randy Savage, and of course, uh, the infamous uh, honky shoved Elizabeth to the ground, and her strap broke. I'm sure Savage flipped out backstage with that because you know it's Savage. Um, what do you think of this team here, uh, Greg? Interesting misfits oh yeah. of mid card guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I gotta say, Harley elevates this team with honky. Oh, totally, totally. All the other guys are like, eh. I always thought Ron Bass was kind of a was was kind of a flunky in WWF. I liked him better when he was in Crockett and he was teaming with uh, Black Bart. They had a good feud going into Starcade '85. Um, Danny Davis was a was a bozo at this point. Um, and now we get to the Fink in our opening match, and there he is, the King Harley Race. With his nice fluffy blonde hair. A lot of Bobby guys here. So we got Harley. We got uh, Herc. 
kind of strolling in the back there. There's the Herc. Hercules, who would end up turning face. Mm, mid-88. Yeah, mid-88, because he's a heel at WrestleMania 4 because he fights Warrior. Uh, no Warrior on this show, right? Or is he on this team? Uh, oh, he, but I think he just debuted Warrior. Yeah, he had debuted the summertime, I think. He might he might not even be close. You might be right, though. There's Danny Davis, who at this point is pretty much just fodder. And then uh, Outlaw Ron Bass, who, like I said, I kind of enjoyed in, in Crockett. Um, when he was with the Black Bart and they were the Black Jacks or something like that, and then, and then, uh, uh, then they split up and they had a great match at uh, Starcade '85. Actually, JJ uh, Dillon, pre Horseman, managed uh, Black Bart at that point. Oh. Anyway, here's here's our captain and the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Because everyone wants to hear Honka sing his song. That's right. Honka, honka, honky love. Well, actually, that's later, I think. Uh, cool, cocky, and bad was first. Honka, honka, honky love wasn't until uh, 1990. So there's the guys. I love Harley shucking and jiving like he's a <laughs> character. Like, it's very un-Harley-like if you've been no. a Harley fan through his years and, you know, in, in the indies and everything. Gotta look at this team of fucking, my this- God. This is like a, this is kind of like a star power mid card baby face team though. It is. Obviously, you've got uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat, um, who of course former champion. You got Harley uh, feuding with uh, Har- with uh, Duggan. Oh, good God, face. <laughs> um, Jesus, that's a face everybody could hate. Forget a mother. Um, and of course. The Macho Man Randy Savage with one of his uh, fucking awesome robe capes, and of course beautiful Elizabeth. Um, we have uh, the Barber Beefcake Barber, as Zeus would say two years later. And uh, all the you know what's funny? All these guys, three isn't it crazy about this though, Greg? Three of the three of the five guys on this team. Let's or let me rephrase that. Exactly 11 months or 10 and a half months earlier, at the beginning of 1987, three of those guys were heels. One of those guys wasn't even in the company. And the only other guy that was a babyface at the beginning and is a babyface now is Ricky Steamboat. Because Savage was a heel at the beginning of the year. Beefcake was a heel at the beginning of the year. Jake was a heel at the beginning of the year. And Duggan wasn't even here yet, as far as I know. Yeah, no, he wasn't here yet. He was still in Mid-South. So that's crazy. This yeah. star-studded babyface team and ten and a half months earlier, four of the five guys were, were were not in any creative position to be on this team. I think that's the funniest part. Well, the, well, the best thing is like three of the five guys have a beef with Honky because it's like Jake got his right. head smashed with the guitar. Savage got his head smashed with the guitar and Steamboat lost the title to Honky. Right. So... Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. So that's our opening contest here at Survivor Series, the mid-card Survivor match between five mid-card heels and five mid-card baby faces. Duggan's still wearing his black tights from his, uh, uh, from his Crockett, uh, or Crockett, his uh, Mid-South days. He wouldn't do, he wouldn't, I don't think he, excuse me, I don't think he'd start wearing his, uh, his common, uh, Blue tights till probably middle of 88, I think. 
And now, of course, the music plays, and there is the red hot Macho Man. Let me tell you something. Babyface turn, genius. Oh, yeah. Genius babyface turn. Uh, it freshened him up. Yeah. Um, of course, the teasing of the Mega Powers kind of happened on that Saturday Night's Main event when he got laid out with the guitar and Elizabeth got shoved. We saw um, uh, we saw uh, Hogan come out. So there was a teasing of the Mega Powers, but it really wasn't legit legit until obviously five months later in New Jersey. Oh my God! You see that guy's Kevin Mac Brown's jersey? Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, the Browns were trying to shake off the the catch in that ninth. We'll talk a little NFL. We'll talk about the rest of NFL a little bit later on. Uh, Greg will give you what's going on that week in the NFL. Um, the uh, the Browns, of course, were in the midst of their good run when they had you know Bernie and. Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner and uh, Ozzy. Ozzy Newsome and Webster Slaughter and Brian Brennan and God, who else is on that team? Defensively, you had, what was it, Carl Hairston, Frank Minifield. Who's the other safety? Hanford Dixon. A pretty good Browns team. I contend, and we'll talk more NFL, obviously, in a little bit, but I contend that the, I think... Now, would the 86 Browns have beaten the Giants? No, I don't think so. Would the 87 Browns have beaten Washington? Yes. Maybe. 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 Uh, Doug Williams had a great Super Bowl, but I don't know how he would have contended with that Cleveland team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I think the Browns' defense was better than Denver. Um, I think they were more fundamentally sound offensively. It was just a mistake. So, and here we go with, uh, beefcake getting the sleeper, but he gets thrown into the heels and now a bunch of hip tosses. Brutus is like so hot right now coming up. He really is. Yeah, Yeah, he really is. I mean, guy had two separate chances to be an intercontinental champion and fate intervened both times. By the way, I love this referee right here. Oh, that's ugly, crazy, ugly ref. Yeah. Um, crazy, ugly ref. Yeah. JR and I, uh, on the, on the mothership, when we were doing, when we did our, our 85 to 92 series, uh, um, talked about that guy all the time. Cause he did all, he did almost all of the uh, uh, MSG house shows, and obviously he did a lot of TV tapings and stuff. But, yeah, he's like resting bitch face ref with his bad hair. Yeah, um, yeah. He looks like an if they needed version of Borf from You Can't Do That on Television. Yes! And John, and John Rowland from Channel 5 News. In John Rowland, yes! I love Barf. Barf, Barf, Barf. I heard that. Uh, at least once. We might have to do a stretch, Greg, of a Cal Ripken-esque uh, streak of trying to reference you can't do that on television on every uh, wrestle tracks from now on. God, I love that show. Uh, you know, next time we have a show in Canada, we'll have to mention Alanis Morissette. Um, so now we got uh, Harley and Steamboat, which is obviously when their prime would be a banger match. 
I'm sure they wrestled in Crockett at some point. I'm sure they wrestled anywhere in the late 70s, early 80s, I'm guessing, at some point. Um, but a good uh, energy-wise, good start to the match. Baby faces need to kind of build the, the energy to get the crowd pumped and then let the heels kind of work it a little bit. Yeah. Um, wonder why they picked Richfield, Ohio. It seems very random. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I mean, well, I think they were already in doing really good in the Midwest. I mean, they had WrestleMania in uh, Detroit, so that is true. They were going to avoid. They didn't do oh. MSG. Oh, hold on, that would have been a, a Bill Watts disqualification. That's right, DQ. DQ and uh, five years later in Crockett. Um, the one thing I also like about Survivor Series, you can always kind of tell who's on the shit list by <laughs> by eliminations. You would think, oh, this guy got eliminated first. Oh, Vince must be pissed. <laughs> you know. Oh, Hacksaw and uh, Horley having a preview of their confrontation at the Slammies in a month. Yes, when they're throwing uh, fucking potato salad and <laughs> fucking coleslaw at each other. That, that's the funniest thing ever. Oh, it's so great. I love that. That's all. That's what I'll always remember about the about the uh, <laughs> slammies. About the slammies is those two guys throwing uh, freaking mayonnaise at each other and stuff. So awesome. And Gorilla saying that donkey should have sat on that ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe these two are probably yeah. going oh. to get. Uh, yep, yeah, they both got counted out. So now both are eliminated. So now teams are at four and four. First elimination in Survivor Series history. Is a double. Yep. Harley Race and. Saw. Hacksaw. Jim Duggan. Or Dugan, if this was Bill Watts. Oh, Dug- nice. He would have said Dugan got eliminated. Because he, he was he used to call him. It's so funny back in the Mid-South days, if you watch it on the network, because I watched all the Mid-South on on, Pe- on the network and on Peacock. And they used to, I don't know how you get away with that. Like, that kind of shit wouldn't fly in WWF. Like, one minute they call him Dugan. Next minute they called him Duggan. Then they called him Dugan again. It's like so, it's, it's ridiculous. Couldn't even get the guy's name right. Ron Bass was the typical example of guy who was leaving, was getting out of his prime, who was taking the payday. Uh, you know, because we didn't really, we wouldn't, after he leave WWF, we wouldn't really see much of Ron Bass anymore. I don't know if he went to Herb Abrams or, I don't know what happened after that, but he was definitely the uh, prime of, like, a guy who knew that, you know, he was on the back end of his career. Vince wants to pay me. I'm working. <laughs> I also contend, or I also will say that next to like Shawn Michaels and maybe Road Warrior Hawk, Savage is probably was probably one of the '80s greatest face and perils, and uh, Ricky Morton. Yes. And now Ron Bass uh, working him over. Of course, Scott, a year later, Ron Bass would have that uh, epic feud with Brutus. Yes. Where he, with the spike. 
Yes, the heel spur, the spur in the face, which, again, that's what I said earlier about about Savage, about um, Beefcake uh, being a victim of fate because he was supposed to win the Intercontinental title at the inaugural uh, SummerSlam. That, of course, did not happen. We all know who would. And now Brutus just pinned uh, Ron Bass. So we are now baby faces four, heels three. And now Beefcake is working uh, with uh, Hercules. Danny Davis at this point, like I like I've mentioned, is pretty much just jobber fodder at this point. He was still like wrestling until he got reinstated as a rep until like eighty nine, I believe. Uh, I think it was a little earlier because one of my chrono watches I'm doing right now, I'm actually in May of eighty eight or July of eighty eight. I'm sorry, and he's already back to being a ref, so it's actually a lot earlier. Okay, he I think he was at the eighty eight. I think he was at the Royal Rumble. I want to say he's in the, maybe if you want to double check. He's in the Battle Royal. He is in the Battle Royal at four. Then I think that's it because I'm now in July and I'm watching like prime times and stuff with house show, you know, with like house show matches. And he's back to being a ref. So somewhere between March and July, they phased him out as a, as a competitor and went, went, and he went back to just being another ref. I think I'm like the Cindy's. Uh, whether it was like challenge or superstars, then Gorilla says that that uh, he begged for his job back, and President Jack Tunney decided to let him come back on a probationary basis, and then they ended up he ended up just being a normal ref, and they forgot about it <laughs> pretty much, something like that. Thanksgivings. I, I, uh, when I was a kid, I was, how old was I here? I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I used to go to my aunt's, uh, in the evening. We would eat at my house. Obviously my, my other aunts, my mom's side of the family would come over and we would eat with them. My mom cooked. And then at night we would go to my dad's side of the family, my aunt, uh, for like dessert and stuff and, you know, the usual family thing. So I never, the first Live, believe it or not, uh, Greg, the first live Survivor Series I watched was not until I had said to uh, I had said to Dave Hall on this month's episode of Through the Looking Glass that I think 91 was the first one. But I think it was later than that. You know what? I don't think I watched a live Survivor Series until 96. What? Until they went to Sundays. Yeah. I don't think I watched them even the night before Thanksgiving. I think I was out, you know, my college years, I was out drinking. So <laughs> I was out, oh. I was out at the bar. So, so I think a lot of the early to mid nineties from 87, maybe 95, I watched live. Although maybe not. Cause I really wasn't in WWF mode in 95. Cause it was so bad. Yeah. I think the first survivor series I watched live was 96. That was well, one that I did not, that because of holidays and such, um, SummerSlam, I've watched everyone live. Uh, Mania, everyone live. Rumble, most of them live. Uh, but um, Survivor Series, because of the holidays and stuff, I didn't watch live until they went to Sundays. Hmm. How about you? Uh, well, I 
watch 93 and 94 on Thanksgiving Eve live because we knew okay. somebody with a cheater box. So, ah, gotcha. Okay. Oh, and Brutus is out. Yeah, Brutus just pinned by Honky. So it's now uh, 3 3. 3 3. It is 3 3 now. Well, now, Scott, I'll tell you a story. When I watched the 93 Survivors, the funniest thing I ever saw in my entire life was the the match with the four doinks. Oh, God. That was the funny. I got to be honest. That was great because they never told you which doinks. And so Bushwhacker doinks and Men on a Mission doinks had me dying. The whole yeah. match. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I, I mean, the good thing is as time moved on, it was easier to get them to rent them. Like the ones in the eighties, Jesus, I don't think I watched them till after new year's. Cause I don't think they hit the, my video store till probably January. It took so long back in the day for all you guys that are my age, like the D'Amato's that, that remember renting, uh, oh, yeah. pay-per-views in the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, it took forever for uh, a WWE pay-per-view, WWE a pay-per-view to, to make it to VHS. So I think definitely 87 through like 89, the first three, I don't think I watched full until like January when they would hit my video store. Um, I think starting in 90, they were a little quicker. And of course they stopped doing the, well, they didn't do the twofers. Uh, I don't think they ever did twofers for the, I think those were just WrestleMania, but... It- and remember, those tapes were like the Coliseum videos were very expensive because they were priced for rental. Yeah. Oh my God. You're like, I think the, I think, I think WrestleMania three was like fifty bucks. Imagine paying fifty dollars for a VHS tape now. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Go- Have you seen how much the sealed VHSs go for these days? I got to tell you, Greg. I, I go to a lot of conventions like you do, and uh, I mean, I see some crazy prices for shit particularly VHS tapes. When I go to cons, um, I remember, I think it was two years ago when I went to Chiller Con down in Jersey, the the horror convention. There's wrestling guys that go. It's not just horror stuff. There are wrestling dudes go. Um, And uh, yeah, I see sealed. I think I saw a sealed WrestleMania 5 and it was like 30 bucks. And I think to myself, unless you're like one of those collectors that puts them somewhere, who in their right mind would buy that? Yeah, thirty bucks for a VHS tape? Why? So weird. Like figures, like you do with figures, and me with like Blu-rays and stuff. At least we can we can display them. And why would you display a wrapped VHS tape? I, just, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe I'm missing something. I, I just don't get it. This maybe it's just me. VHS was like, let's be honest, it was a bad format. Well, I mean, it was. I mean, from the grand scheme of things. In fact, my father, God rest his soul, my dad, uh, he picked he picked the losing end of the VHS, the oh, VCR war. Oh, beta. He, my dad bought a beta max because he oh. read reviews that the quality. And it's true. Take it from somebody yeah. who works in TV. Beta max was better quality. But the industry screwed themselves by having both come out at the same time. And VHS was more accessible. So I used to go to a video store one town over from where I grew up and the bait, the VH, VHS took up 85% oh, of the store. Yeah. 
and beta was like 50. So they looked at, I looked, they, people looked at me like I was, you know, like I was a leper. <laughs> oh, there's that stupid, there's that stupid kid in the beta section. <laughs> uh, Jake's getting fired up here. Yep. I love Jake's punches. Jake but also, very purple tonight. He's oh, in yeah. purple. The banners are in purple. I thought it was pretty cool. Yep. But, I was, but also with uh, VHS beta, I think it was also because Sony wouldn't license the beta format out, whereas JVC, they license VHS. You want to make a VHS, VCR, you want, got it. So Yeah. And J- and there's uh, Danny's Danny on. Davis getting pinned. So it is now faces three, heels two. So the only, so it's now Jake. And let's see, it's Jake, uh, Savage, and Ricky, and Ricky versus Herc and Honky. So, this is a real good crowd here. Yes, I agree. I mean, I have my volume very, very low, obviously, because I don't want it to bleed over on our on our show. But if you're listening, for those that are listening, if you have your volume up a little bit, crowd is very hot. I agree with you, Greg. I think um, I like your theory. I think WWF was was uh, kind of tip, dip, dipping its toe in the Midwest because, you know, they were they were impinging on um, AWA's turf. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, AWA was a fucking mess, although we will have an I'll I'll, I'll I won't reveal it until the end of the show but one of your choices for december folks is an awa show i'll I'll just leave it at that we'll talk about it uh at the end but uh so i think they were comfortable with the crowd i mean by this point 87 wwf is the is the hottest ticket in town in wrestling so i think they could have sold out anywhere um which is maybe why they were comfortable with a different setting than say an msg of course they wouldn't go back to ms they would go back to msg on pay-per-view the following August for the inaugural uh, uh, SummerSlam. Um, they would just come back here to Richfield a year later, as I mentioned a moment ago, for summer, uh, for uh, Survivor Series 88. And then they would take a break from Richfield and go to some bigger markets. Of course, they'd go to Rosemont for 89. Uh, and then they would go to my neck of the woods, the Hartford Civic Center for uh, 90, which my I've told you my brother went to. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, 91, they would go to uh, to Joe Louis Arena, which is, of course, the big Ric Flair. Uh, premier debut pay-per-view appearance. Uh, um, that year and then 92, they would come back here to Richfield and I don't think they come back here ever again. <laughs> No, I think Vince. I think Vince realized this place is a shithole. <laughs> well, well we also by to go. well, also by '94 they had the Gundarina built. So, right, exactly. And Which of course, would, now they, is the Rocket Mortgage Mortgage uh, Fieldhouse. Yes, and they would make their Dave. Do you little trivia here, uh, Greg? Do you remember uh, what pay per view uh, was the first at the Gundarina? Uh, would it be No Mercy 99? Uh, no, well before that. Okay. Oh, so SummerSlam 96. Correct. SummerSlam 1996 was uh, the first it, one. And we mentioned that because 
remember we said Jerry Lawler wore a Vinny Testaverde Ravens jersey. Yes, and which 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 made him cringe because for those that don't know, Jerry is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. So, and that was the first year in. That was the other crazy thing because that was the first year in Baltimore, uh, and Vinny because Vinny was the quarterback for the Browns in '95. So, I actually had a Vinny. Browns jersey. I do have a Browns jersey in my closet right now. It's actually, <laughs> of all guys, it's a Brady Quinn uh, Browns jersey. Oh, I, don't worry. My sister-in-law, like, in 2007, bought me a Brady Quinn Browns jersey, so. Yeah, I love the Browns because I love their colors. I've always been a fan of. Uh, I'm glad that they went back to the Brown jerseys and the orange pants because I love those. I hated, see, this stretch of Browns in the late 80s, they used to piss me off because they only wore white. They always oh, wore yeah. white shirt, white pants. It always made me mad. So boring. Well, at least it's least better than whatever. At least it's better than whatever the hell they were wearing in the mid 2010s that the Jets copied in those cur- whatever abomination they have now for uniforms. Ugh, terrible. I liked the early 80s Brian Sype cardiac kids, Cleveland oh. Browns with the go- orange helmet, brown jersey, orange pants. That's the Cleveland Browns to me. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Herc has got uh, Jake in like a hammerlock. But he just jaw-jacked him, so he broke the move. I believe the women's match is next, I think. Uh, will be coming up next. And then I think the tag and then the uh, and then the main event. Tag into Steamboat. Ricky going to do his thing. His head, his, his head chops or his head, you know. His, oh, there's the head chop to Honky. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about Steamboat's little dance there. That was awesome. Oh, shit. That was funny. I totally forgot about his little dance. <laughs> oh, it's tremendous. And Steamboat going up. Another chop to the head. Hey, <laughs> 10. <laughs> oh, Ricky, such a nerd. <laughs> of course, Steamboat. Whoa, sorry. That's why he's the best. He is the best baby face. Tags into Honky. These two were, or tags into Savage. Savage about to do the big drop and hits the big elbow. One. One, two, two, and three. So the heels are down to just our intercontinental champion, uh, the Honky Talk Man. And now they will feud. And Honky does the perfect heel move in a minute. We'll get to it when it happens, but. I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering, Greg, looking at the 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 the, feet, the uh, ring right now. I don't have uh, my laptop in front of me, so I can't go to to uh, Mr. Cawthon and Mr. Land's uh, historywwe.com. I probably said it on the Place to Be podcast when we did this, but I'm trying to remember if they did like uh, house show matches or dark matches for TV before this, the show went on the air. Cause I'm wondering why they don't have a full blown apron and instead have this little, like, like oh, that thirds apron that they kind of tucked in. I, I, I mean, they may have had some dark matches. Probably not. Maybe this was just a cheap way to get a cheap, uh, you know, a cheap, uh, apron, but I'm going to look right now. Uh, yeah. While you do that, I'll do a little narration. Jake and Steamboat, another great feud in 1986. These guys all feuded with each other in 86, and now they're all on the same Survivor Series team. I just think that's hilarious. 
no dark matches. No? All right. Well, I guess they were just cheap about the apron then. <laughs> I had a feeling there weren't any. I was just curious because I just think it's weird that uh, the other thing about this referee, his shirt tail. I mean, they're not now, but his shirt always used to come out of its pants because he was always just a big sloppy mess. Oh, yeah. They are just totally working over uh, honky. Piece of garbage. (laughs) Nothing personal should enter into a gorilla. I'll try to be more like you. (laughs) Little uh, atomic drop over the top rope. And Honky pretty much goes, fuck this. I'm done. (laughs) I gain nothing out of this. I'm taking my belt. I'm going home. (laughs) You could have this worthless tag match win i don't really care great heel move here by the ic champion like you know what i'm not gonna sit here and get my ass kicked by you clowns have fun you can have your little you can have your little match win i'm done i i'm holding what you want and that's the end of that so so honky walks off and uh the big baby faces that win so randy savage Jake the Snake Roberts and Ricky Steamboat are your survivors for this opening match of the 1987 uh, Survivor Series. Well, we have a moment uh, in between matches. Just do a little plug. Check out all the great pods on all of the Quad Pods, of course, right here in the PTB Wrestling Network. We give you everything uh, almost every day. A lot of stuff on the weekends, too. Uh, Greg and the rest of the gang over the PTB pop experience, all sorts of good shows, TV, comics, music, etc. A lot of fun over there. Uh, and then of course the no, so the North South connection, which includes the Jenny position, check all their stuff out as well. All the great stuff on the quad of pods as the PTB, uh, podcast family. So there's your baby faces going off triumphant. The amazing survivor series graphic pops up. One match down, three matches to go, and uh, take a break, and we go to the back to the interview area. Craig DeGeorge is with the heel main event team, uh, the team of Andre the Giant, Hacksaw Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, Ravishing Rick Rude, and... One man gang. One man gang. Yes. A lot of beef. You know what still frustrates frustrates me, uh, Greg? And I'm going to consistently say this annoyingly every time I look at Andre. Why I did not buy that WrestleMania 2 special figure in Detroit back in August just pisses me off to no end. Oh. I should have just, bought- just bought it. Made me so the, mad. The yellow trunks. It. The yellow trunks and the yellow boots should have pissed me off to no end. I should have just got oh. it, even though I don't really collect figures. Damn it. Made me so mad. I should have just bought it. Anyway. Brother. Love Slick. Slick, of course, uh, replaced uh, uh, Classy Freddie Blassie on the managers. Um, he was an upgrade. Oh, totally. Well, for, yeah. Classy Freddie Blassie was an early 80s guy. By the time we got to the federation pay-per-view era he was already you know 
up there in years. So what do you think of the background there? Their little, what do you think of that painted uh, Survivor Series background there? Oh, I love it. I wonder if that's a cloth or if that's like a, like a vinyl sheet, probably. Oh, gee, oh, geez, Andre's teeth. <laughs> Andre had like 800 teeth. Gee, <laughs> he a big head, a lot of teeth. We get a wide overhead shot of Rich, the sold out Richfield Coliseum. Gorilla doing our copyright or our, uh, you know, the copyright, uh, yeah, you don't see that very too often in wrestling. The express written. Oh, the copyright. I know, yes. Well, it's streaming now. Does it matter? I don't know if it does yeah. or not. All right, time for match number two. And this is our ladies' survivor match. Ooh. And boy, do we get some real... We emptied out the uh, trailer park for this one. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, on the women's side, on the uh, heel side... We have the women's tag team champions. Uh, I don't know if they were tag team champions yet. Oh no, they are. Yeah. They just don't have. The, they don't have the belts with them. The Glamour Girls, uh, Leilani Kai, and mine and J uh, R Sinio D'Amato's uh, favorite trailer park queen, Judy Martin. Um, <laughs> D'Amato and I would. <laughs> who knows what went on in the trailer park with her bag? Imagine all these women. Oh, I can't even go. I don't want to get. I don't want to. Oh, I'm just gonna let don't. it go. Dawn Marie, and no, not that Dawn Marie. Oh, God, you got, oh, Jesus. The best Donna is Donna Christianello. She looks like Edie. <laughs> she looks like she should have a butt in her mouth while she's making a bunt cake. And then, uh, of course, the beautiful women's champion, the lovely, sensational Sherry. Yes, we love Sherry. She held the belt for a while. She won it back in July from Moolah. And then I don't think she loses it till almost the end of 88 to Rock and Robin. And then by 89, they phase it out. Velvet McIntyre, who, of course, uh, got jobbed out by Moolah at WrestleMania 2. Uh, we have, uh, speaking of Rock and Robin, is that her right there? That's her? Yes, there is Rock and Robin, who's wearing uh, a blazer that you'd wear at the ad firm. And then, <laughs> that's just been bedazzled. You have got the... Totally oh. out of their element in 87 WWF jumping bomb angels. You would think they were a team in AEW. Um, God, they were so good. Oh, yeah. And they then, of be course, in the Hall of Fame. They really should, honestly. Uh, this woman belongs in, well, we don't. Oh, God. We won't get into it, but no. uh, fabulous. Watch Babyface Moolah, which made oh. no fucking sense at all. No. Uh, well, if you love Moolah, she has got Rock and Robin on a coupon. So just saying. <laughs> oh. uh, knowing her. Um, so there's our ladies match. So, and, uh, oh, yeah. oh, Jesse just mentioned what the number one movie in the country is. Uh, you know, um, Greg, uh, since he is, why don't we let Jesse segue us as we start the women's match? Why don't you tell us dive into, uh, the movies, um, that holiday weekend great okay. segue jess thank you well we'll we'll cover thanksgiving week first but this is for the week ending november 20th through 26th of 1987 i'll give you the top 10 okay uh number 10 is baby boom with diane keaton number, number nine in its first week and i can't believe this was like this low planes trains and automobiles wow 
That that yeah. seemed to be a movie that kind of gained steam. I don't think it had that same oomph that people think it did in the beginning, but it definitely gained steam and stayed in the. Uh, I think it stayed in theaters well into 1988. I'm pretty sure. Okay, uh, number eight, Hello Again with Shelley Long. I think oh, that gosh. like right after she left Cheers. Uh, number seven, and it's uh, uh, for they must have they premiered this in the, some of these movies on Wednesday. But number seven is uh, Three Men and a Baby. Good movie. Number six is Teen Wolf 2 with Jason Bateman. Oh, God. Oh. Boxing instead of basketball. Ugh. Number five, Nuts. Number four, Flowers in the Attic. Number three is the re-release of Cinderella. Because this oh. was in the day when Disney would still re-release movies in the theaters. Right. Yeah, they didn't get into what the they did. The Renaissance didn't start until like 89 or 90. Yeah. Whenever Little Mermaid came out. Uh, number two, Fatal Attraction in its 10th oh, week. Great movie. And number one, as Jesse mentioned, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Dawson. Yes, I have that on. Uh, let me see. I'm looking at my shelf now. Where are you, Running Man? Oh, there you are. I have Running Man uh, limited edition uh, steelbook. So there it is right there in between Rudy and whatever's next to it that I can't see. Oh. Um. Yeah, Rudy. That just the I've been wanting to get one. That just came out, right? Yeah, it just came out on four. I, I'm looking at the. It's my old DVD, but the uh, it just did just come out on 4K. Okay. Um. Um. For the three day weekend. So let me uh let me do that real quick. Mm-hmm, sure. Baby Boom was number ten. Dirty Dancing and its fifteenth week at number nine. That had wow. like real longevity. Dirty Dancing. Yeah, it did totally. That was Absolutely. the movie of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was. It was huge. Teen Wolf 2 at number 8, Flowers in the Attic at 7, Nuts at 6, Running Man at 5, Fatal Attraction at 4, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles at number 3, grossed $7 million that Thanksgiving weekend, Cinderella at $7.2 million, and number 1 for the weekend, Three Men and a Baby. Okay. And you know who directed that movie, Scott? Three Men and a Baby? Uh, I don't. Ron Howard? No. No. Leonard Nimoy. Really? Yes. Well, he had just done, he had just, and I'm looking at those on my shelf too, my my 4Ks. Uh, he had done Star Trek's three and four. He did Search for Spock and he did Voyage Home. Uh, that was in between because he, two years later in 80... Nine, uh, Shatner would direct the Final Frontier, and that movie is. Um, I, mean, I like the ambition, but it's like uh, the real the effects are not good, and it's, no, they're not good. No, the budget was not what they were for the. And Nimoy's just a better director. Sorry, Shat, love you to death, buddy. You're my favorite Kirk, but you're you you. Leonard's just better at that than you are, and it's okay. Um. Flowers in the Attic, I, I don't remember. Nuts was uh, Nuts was Barbara Streisand. That's yeah. a Barbara Streisand movie. She played a a woman who was in the loony bin, and she was it's a hooker. No- and she killed a John, and she was oh, on wow. or something. So uh, it's no Yentl. No, it was no, it was no, it was no Yentl. Uh, one of our lovely trailer ladies was just jo- well, I, actually, they're, they're kind of down. So I think it's Dawn Marie just got bounced. Yeah, Dawn Marie's gone. It's it's Dawn- five on three now. Yes, uh, not one. Who's the other heel? Probably Donna Christianella. Donna Christian- Look at it. Go, go, good. Yeah, good. She went to go buy another 
carton of uh, Marlboro ultralights. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're down to the glamor girls and Sherry on the baby. Oh, just see that kip up by, uh, I don't know which oh. jumping bomb angel that is. Oh. God, they were amazing. They were so good. They were so good. And so not of this time for WWF. It's oh, crazy. They- if they you insert them into 2023 AEW and they're super over, oh, they'd be crazy over. Hell, if even if you inserted them into like maybe even mid 90s WWF, if you kind of threw them in with like Hakushi, I bet you the, the crowd might have gotten a little more into them. Uh, as it was, they were over anyway, but um, Rock and Robin was just absolutely useless. That was a worse nepotism than than Sam Houston. Um, Sherry was so good. I I don't know what I don't know what worse nepotism is: Rocket Robin getting employed or Nathaniel Hackett getting employed by the Jets because his dad used to be offensive coordinator. <laughs> oh God! I'm sure Amazon can't wait for that freebie on Friday. Oh God! <laughs> I'm sure they look forward to that when they made that match. When they made that what? match. When they made what? that game uh, back in June. <laughs> Woody doesn't care. All he cares about is his freaking PSL money. Pretty much. So Robin and Sherry, which would be uh, Robin and Sherry, which would be the next big women's feud, is uh resting bitch face ref still there? Or do they switch him out? I'm not no, sure. J- Joey's the outside ref. Oh wait, I think. Oh no, that's Joey's. Not- Jimmy Corderas oh, no. is, I think that's Jimmy Corderas. Holy shit. Look how, I thought it was, Sh- at first when I looked, I thought it was Shane. But it's not. It's, that's, 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 uh, when he had hair, Jimmy Corderas. I can't believe he's here in, uh, 80, late 87. Yeah. That's crazy. Good for him. Good for him. That's crazy. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love the tights of the Glamour Girls. They have hearts in their asses. God, imagine driving on the road with imagine driving from town to town with all these women's wrestlers. <laughs> oh, that could be that, that might be interesting. Hey, Donna. <sighs> She's flicking her butt out the window. <laughs> A lot of flavor country on those Cadillacs. <laughs> oh, shit. OK, good. Robin's gone. Robin's been eliminated, so it's now four to two. In favor of the or four three, I'm sorry, in favor of the uh, the faces. Come on, Judy. You seen Judy Martin now? Good grief! (laughs) My God, Pizza the Hut. Um, (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) that's rough. Uh, Look at Judy flicking around uh, Leilani Kai. Not Leilani Kai, I'm sorry, Velvet McIntyre. Leilani Kai. Lanny. Or as uh as Cindy called her. Lanny Kai. Lanny Kai. Lanny Kai. At WrestleMania one. I love you, Cindy. You gotta do a slingshot. See, I that always annoyed me when they do when people do slingshots into nothing. The slingshot's supposed to go into the turnbuckle. Just slingshotting face down, I feel is an incomplete move. But that's just me. Wow. Uh, Moolah wrestling with what looks like a Kmart bathing suit. <laughs> you know, you watch Moolah wrestle. I bet you she was like this back in the 70s. All she did was punch your punch your boobs and pull your hair. Oh, yeah. Kind of all she did, really. 
I'm afraid to look at how old Mula was in 1987 because, you know, old people didn't look old. People weren't old back then. I don't even want to know what old Mula was in 1987 because she looked the same age as she did when she won the title in 1999. <laughs> so, But just the idea of baby face Mula, it's like, what? Yeah, it was just so. Yeah, it just made no sense. I never got that. I honestly never got that. Very strange. And the funny thing is that Jumping Bomb Angels were not that big, even for women's wrestler standards. They were like they like, I mean, the the uh, Glamour Girls had even a few inches on them. But boy, could they fly around the ring. They were amazing. This is kind of, you got rid of the two trash bags and you've got these, you've got like a kind of an all-star heel women's team. You got Sherry and Judy Martin and like in Leilani Kai who were, you know, pretty legendary in the women's wrestling realm of the mid eighties. I mean, you got Leilani Kai as a former women's champion. And then you've got Sherry who's the current women's champion. And then you got Judy who's just, well, Judy. Was it Judy Martin and Desiree Peterson that had that match? I got to look back. The match at MSG in 86 where they both fell in Gorilla's lap. I think that was Judy. I know it was Desiree Peterson. I'm trying to remember if it was Judy Martin or not. I don't remember. Only on this podcast, folks, on the PTB Wrestle. I just realized this a minute ago, Greg. Yeah. Only here on the Place to Be Pod, uh, Place to Be Wrestling Network, would you hear a Yentl reference on a podcast? Yes, that's what all <laughs> that's what all the wrestling fans watch. Yentl, exactly. Uh, Mula just got pinned. Wow, I can't believe she jobbed out. Mula's been eliminated, so we're down to three versus three: the Bomb Angels and Velvet McIntyre against the Glamour Girls and uh, Sherry. Lonnie Kai was still kind of a looker back then. Yeah. It's not too bad with her grandmother, Judy Martin. (laughs) Do me a favor, Greg, since you got the the infos more easily accessible from you at the moment. uh, What is the capacity of Richfield Coliseum? I I don't remember. I feel like this place is big. Okay, let me... uh wiki search Richfield Coliseum real quick. I feel like it I feel like it's 20,000 and maybe it had to be for NBA purposes but uh, 20,273 for basketball 18, okay. 18.5 for ice hockey. Okay so right now there's probably with the floor there's probably about 21,000 probably there. Yeah uh, according to Graham's site it was a sellout of over 21,000. Yeah that makes sense. Okay. It's a good crowd. God, you're so hot, Judy. Man, Sherry could could scream. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's got some lungs. 
She's definitely got the lungs. That is for sure. Sherry was in prime wrestling condition at this moment, too, because she, uh, you know, obviously, as I had mentioned, she was pretty active in the AWA before she came here. Yeah, because she had managed uh, Rose and Summers in the AWA, too. Yes. What sucks is I feel like once she, oh, God. Wow, talk about no, talk about no selling that move, Velvet. Good lord. Um, I feel like her in ring abilities kind of got forgotten when she eventually, like when she starts managing Savage and stuff. It's which is kind of a shame, but you could tell she didn't mind bumping. So, ooh, I don't know what the hell that was. It was almost a noggin knocker. Oh, nice suplex. Ooh. Wow, well, look at that. Someone botched the bell. Well, the referee waved it off. Oh. Bell ringing inadvertently. Good call there by... Uh, Jimmy. By Jimmy. And a good call by Gorilla and Jesse to quell that quick. Of course, they're talking about the Jumping Bomb Angels and the Glamour Girls uh, in a feud. They would have, they would definitely work the house show circuit. As a matter of fact, I'll have to check. J, uh, JR and I did a couple of uh, a couple of MSG house shows where they wrestled each other, and the matches were really good. And then, of course, they would have a, a very, very good match at uh, at the '88 Rumble. I believe I had that in my top 100. Um, I don't know if I did. I mean, that was an incredible match. It was an incredible match. Oh, and Velvet McIntyre just pinned the women's champion. So now it is three on two. It is uh, Velvet McIntyre and the Bomb Angels versus just the Glamour Girls. Now this is when the wrestling begins. Yeah, now see, now it's almost like, all right, the now it's time to like amp it up a bit and get this crowd. I mean, the move sets were were very basic, but just it was their speed. Oh, that's what made them unique. They were just so fast. Even if the even if the the impact of the move itself didn't seem like much, the momentum building to the impact was crazy for women's wrestlers oh this is this is insane right here oh she's not come on work with her will you come on jesus judy ow wow judy no selling what a bitch (laughs) oh fuck you Oh my. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> what is going on there? 
I didn't know this turned into the Spice Channel all of a Jeez, sudden. Well, listen, the pay-per-view companies said, you know, you know what, you know what, you know how we make our money if we don't have wrestling. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Talking about viewers' choice, you know what I'm very saying? viewers. Yes, the gun, uh, the acclaimed would be very happy with that scissoring. But <laughs> um. Good move, though. Oh. Did she kick out? She did kick out. Yeah. Overall, this women's match is actually pretty fun. This is better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I I think the 88 one, I think, was a little better. Right? Was there a women's match in 88? I I don't think there was. No, I don't think there was a women's match in 88. I'm I'm a dream. Fever dreaming that. So, Leilani Kai just pinned uh velvet so now we get down to now we get down to the fun and games now we get down to the really what we all wanted to see and that was the glamour girls and the uh jumping bomb angels i don't have my chromebook in front of me let me check my laptop i'm gonna see uh i'm gonna go back and see where those uh oh she slingshotted her right into the other that that, uh, that was nice Holy shit, that was nice. All right, I'm going to check. I'm going to check my my, uh, JR's and my old uh, doc of um, from the place to be. Because I want to see. I want to see. Um. Oh, this the, is uh, flash. I want to. I want to see. Uh, um, when those matches that Jr. and I watched on. There we go. With him so, and I, when when those uh when those jumping bomb angels, uh, glamour girls, uh, tag matches were on. Um, on uh, MSG. Yeah. Right. Check now. Thank you for can get out of my head. Two, uh, two against one right now. There we go. All right. So we're gonna say we let me go into eighty seven. Let's see. I don't think did they have a match before this or after this? Let's see. Uh oh, oh let's see. I think I just saw them in. Is it was it October? Yes. So earlier this month at the November '87 uh, MSG house show, they wrestled, and Jr. and I each gave it four stars. And then of course they wrestle here, uh, and. What did we give the Royal Rumble? Wow, we actually gave the Royal Rumble match three stars. So, really? Yeah. So if you want to watch, probably because the October one was so much better. So if you're a November one. So if you really want to watch, uh, if you really want to watch um, the better of the, meanwhile, the Jumping Bomb Angels, of course, would win this, uh, would win this match. If you really want to get a good, a really good 
match between these two. Let's put it this way. If you think the Royal Rumble 88 match is awesome, search out the match they had two months earlier in November of 80, earlier this month in November of 87 at at Madison Square Garden. That match is outrageous. Outrageous. So good. So the Bomb Angels, boy, that was fun. That was a fun, fun tag match. That was was a lot of fun. And the crowd dug him. I will say that. The crowd was into him. Oh, what a nice drop kick on Jimmy. Yeah, and Jimmy. Thank God Jimmy caught the uh, apron. He was almost going to go head first onto the ground. Oh, he could have had a massive concussion there. Yeah, which means if it was Jim Watts era, he would have split his head open on the concrete. Because <laughs> to hell with the uh, with the padding. And it would have had massive CTE. Yeah, pretty much. I forgot it was Running Man. It's funny when you now we have our our uh, God. Now we're going to get to some fun because the tag team uh, Rumble ma- uh, Survivor match is next. And right now, Craig DeGeorge is with Bobby. And I mean, this collection of heel tag teams is fucking oh, this, second to none. Oh, this is so good. You've got Demolition, the Heart Foundation. The new dream team and the, the Islanders. Islanders. Yes. So I guess it's only four teams per side. I guess it would go to five teams the following year, 88. That's right. It was only four teams per side. And, you know, not even the new dream team is that bad when you think about it. No, nah, they were solid. I couldn't really, you can't really think of any other, uh, I mean, honestly, can you think of other uh, heel teams in 87 that could fit, in, that could go in their spot? Really, no. no. The 88 tag. Oh, oh wait, the it's... Bolsheviks, I think, are the fifth team. Oh, then why aren't they there? That's weird. I don't know. I think Bobby said they're whipped slick for some reason. Oh, okay. So, all right, maybe I wasn't. All right, I didn't think I was crazy then. So they were, uh, there were two. Um, uh, oh, they're in the ring. Five. Oh, uh, are they singing? They're gonna sing. Oh, the Russian that's Nash. why. That's uh, why. Uh, okay, let's let's show some respect here. Yes. I'm gonna stand up. I love that uh, Jesse's trying to get Gorilla to stand up. <laughs> I got to respect Jesse. He's showing some respect here. That's a great excuse. I got to stretch my legs. <laughs> that is funny. And this is when Demolition has just gotten the music. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Rick Derringer mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Here comes the axe. And here comes the smash of the demolition. <laughs> Walking disaster. Bobby Johnny v, v with his Johnny V with his short hair. Jesus. God. Dino Bravo's already carrying the steroid bloat. <laughs> I very, love the Islanders. Oh, very underrated. 
Such a great team. Haku. I'm actually speaking of Tama. Uh, well, actually, no, that was a different team. But I'm watching the um, I'm watching 88 World Class right now, right at the end, and uh, the Smo and SWAT team is there now. Oh, great! Uh, great team. And they can't be at the Head Shrinkers. They should just stay the Smo and SWAT team. Heart Foundation, who just lost. I mean, literally, probably about four weeks earlier, yeah. had just lost the World Tag Team titles to Strike Force. Yeah, uh, it was Eugene on is with the face with them. team. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Oh, this is a good. This is a good, not a bad face team. No, not at all. You got uh, the uh, you have Strike Force, who had the fantastic white satin jackets that I wish I owned. Um, I do love the fact. What did what did uh? Okay, so Martel has the Canadian flag on his jacket, and Tito's got a fucking sombrero on his jacket. <laughs> that is terrible. Um, and they both got headbands on. Yeah, they got both got headbands on. Please, while well, you have the. The British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid probably just shit and fuck. <laughs> Was this before or after he shit in Jacques Rougeau's bag? Um, <laughs> then we've got uh, the Rougeaus. We've got uh, the Killer Bees. So we got the, and of course, the uh, great young stallions of Jim Powers and uh, Jim Powers and uh, Paul, Roma. Paul Roma. Yep. So. We're going to have some fun with this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> ah, Matilda. <laughs> uh, was it, oh, this the dark napping angle has to be coming up soon. Uh, yeah, because, uh, well, because you get to WrestleMania 4 with uh, Gorilla and the. Uh, Bob, Bobby's wearing this, the jacket. Yes, the uh, dog jacket or whatever it is. Yep. JR and I gave this match four stars. Okay. And we gave, uh, in the main event, we gave four stars. So, First to be a Saturday Night's main event shortly after this show. I wonder if it was that weekend. Interesting. Of that, uh, Greg, while the tag teams are coming in. Why don't we uh we could talk about either NFL or tell whatever you'd like to talk about next. Okay. Uh NFL well, that weekend or we could talk yeah. uh the television. Why don't you tell what was we talked about the two games on Thanksgiving. What was the rest of the yeah. weekend like? Well let me let me uh just recap the games again. As you mentioned, Vikings beat the Cowboys in the late Thanksgiving game 44-38 in overtime. Um See, Danny White threw for 341 yards, four TDs, three interceptions. Uh, I guessing Tommy Kramer started and was replaced by Wade Wilson, I think. Probably. Or, yeah. And um, it's funny that's the Vikings and the Cowboys because two years later, of course, Scott, they'd mm-hmm. make that big trade. Yes. Set the Cowboys dynasty in motion in the 90s. Yes, they did. Fantastic. And then the uh, the NBC game earlier that afternoon. Kansas City over Detroit 27-20. Maybe a possible preview of this year's Super Bowl, maybe? Maybe. As a matter uh, of fact, last year's Super Bowl is going on right now as we speak. Uh, yes. Monday night in Kansas City. Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, Bill Kenny was the starter for the Chiefs. Ugh. 246 yards, two TDs. Chuck Long, the starter for the Lions. 
206 yards, one TD. Carl Bernard for the Lions, one yard shy of 100 yards at 99 yards with one touchdown. Chuck Long uh, went to Iowa, and he was going to be – he almost won the Heisman. He was a great college quarterback at the University of Iowa, and then he was a, obviously, a, as we all know, a incredibly mediocre quarterback in the NFL. By the way, that coming from a Cowboy fan, that Danny White line is perfect Danny White line. 300, over 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, but three picks. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a Danny White line right there. Still still better than whatever Zach Wilson has ever thrown for. So. <laughs> or, the I, following I year, or the following year when Steve Pelour started for the Cowboys. Don't yeah. even get me started on those years. I, I don't mean to insult Zach Wilson, but oh, God. Well, he ain't playing anymore, so. Yeah, well, yeah. thank God. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Cardinals Falcons. This was the Cardinals final year in St. Louis before they moved to Phoenix. Yep. 34, 21, the final, uh, Neil Lomax, 369 yards, two TDs, uh, JT Smith, 109 yards receiving for St. Louis for 10 receptions. Scott Campbell was the starter for the Falcons, 181 yards, 13 for 15 for 39, two TDs and an interception. Mm-hmm. And 115 rushing yards and two TDs for Aubrey Matthews for Atlanta. And I, we got an elimination here. Yes, Bolsheviks are gone. Fitting. Okay. There you go. So it's now 10 on 8. All right. The Bills shut out Dan Marino and the Dolphins 27 to nothing. Two TDs for Jim Kelly. 96 uh, yards for Andre Reed receiving. 119 rushing yards for Ronnie Harmon. So there you go. Uh Um, A rivalry matchup out in Soldier Field. The Bears and the Packers. The Bears 23 to 10 winners. Jim McMahon threw for 195 yards and a touchdown. Walter Payton, I believe, is in its final season with the Bears. Rushed for 22 yards. Mm. He was at the end of his rope at this point. Yeah, uh, it had to be all defense. So let me try to find some defensive stats here mm. for the for the. Uh, OK, they got two fumble recoveries by Dennis McKinnon and Jimbo Covert. So. Ah, OK, Richard Denton, William Perry had a sack in that game, so. All right, so we're going to go over to the Hoosier Dome, the Colts, 51 to 27 winners over the Houston Oilers. Warren Moon threw for 327 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Gary Hogaboom threw just for 149 yards, eight for 15, but he threw for two TDs. But it was all about Eric Dickerson because he came over from the Rams midseason and rushed for 136 yards and two TDs. Yeah, I was I was stunned at how easy it was for the Rams to trade him. As a matter of fact, while you're while you're going through the scores, I'm going to go to on Wiki. I just grabbed my laptop now. I'm going to go to Wiki and and uh, I want to see who the Rams got in return. But go ahead, keep going with the scores. Okay, okay. I'll keep looking. All right, uh, Eagles over New England, thirty-four to thirty-one in OT. Paul McFadden with the game-winning field goal in overtime. Randall Cunningham, three hundred and fourteen yards, two touchdowns. Anthony Tony rushed for 123 yards for the Eagles. Mike Quick, 121 yards receiving two TDs. 
for New England, the starting QB, Tom Ramsey. Oof. 34, but he had a great game. 34 for 53. He threw two picks, but he threw for three TDs and threw for over 400 yards. And, oh. uh, yeah. Uh, Jets over the Bengals, 27 to 20. Um, Rich Miano was the hero for the uh, Jets. He blocked a field goal to give uh, the Jets the lead, a 67-yard block field goal return. And I believe he also got the game-winning interception of Boomer to win it. So uh, oh, Boomer, okay. Boomer threw for two picks, 250 yards, two TDs. Ken O'Brien threw for 224 yards with a TD, but two interceptions. And uh, who led the... Freeman McNeil had 79 yards receiving, 49 yards rushing, so he had over 100 yards all-purpose. Altoon had six catches for 83 yards. And Ooh. I believe it would be the next year the Bengals would have the Super Bowl year. Or they'd be yeah. two... Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was 88. No, it was the following year. It was 88. Okay. All right, so... It was a three-team trade uh, between the Colts, the Bills, and the Rams. So the Colts, uh, the Colts traded Cornelius Bennett, who they drafted but couldn't sign, to the Bills for their first-round pick in '88, first and second-round picks in '89, and running back Greg Bell. The Colts, in turn, traded Bell and the three draft choices from Buffalo, plus their own first and second round picks in 88, their second round pick in 89, and running back Owen Gill to the Rams for Eric Dickerson. So the Rams made out, everyone thinks the Cowboys and Vikings deal was a, was a Jesus, the Rams got like a, a, a ton of stuff. It's just a question of what you do with the draft picks. So here's who they took with the picks. Gaston Green, who's a running back. I think he was from Miami. Aaron Cox, who's a wide receiver. Linebacker Fred Strickland. Another running back, Cleveland Gary, who did go to Miami. Linebacker Frank Stams, who went to Notre Dame. And defensive back Daryl Henley. And this trade reunited Dickerson with Ron Meyer. Oh, that's right. Because they, they went to SMU. He was the coach at SMU when Dickerson was a junior. He went to the Patriots, then got fired and replaced by Raymond Berry, and the Pats went to the Super Bowl, and uh, then went to the Colts in 86 after Rod Dauhauer got fired. So, Meanwhile, we're getting some banging uh, action in the ring here as uh, Demolition's beating the snot out of, uh, out of the Young Stallions. So The Rougeos were gone, so... Um, yep, the Rougeos are out. So. All right, so let me get back to here. At Three yep. Rivers... New Orleans, 20 to 16 winners over the Steelers. Bobby Air Bear threw for 154 yards, a TD and a pick. Mark Malone. Oh, God. Three, this is why they lost right here. Three interceptions. Ugh. And, uh, Mark Malone um, big one. <laughs> uh, let me see. Who had Ruben Mays had a rushing TD for the Saints. And mm. who got the winning score for them? Uh. Eric, okay, so they scored 13 points unanswered, the Saints. Actually, they scored 16. The Steelers got shut out in the second half. 
But in the fourth quarter, Eric Morton got a 19-yard pass from Air Bear. Morton Anderson kicked a 32-yard field goal. And then, oh, the Steelers got a safety near the end. It must have been like an intentional safety, like near the end of the game. Or Probably. Something. Makes sense. All right, so let me go back here. Uh, the Rams, they destroyed the Bucks 35-3. to uh, Jim Everett threw for 200 eight yards, two TDs. Vinny, we talked about, was four for six, 33 yards, an interception. As Steve DeBerg uh, played for the Bucks in this game, too. 124 yards and a pick. And actually, let me just see here. Actually, believe it or not, we do bring up Steve DeBerg in our It Was a Thing on TV mini-sode, Scott which I won't mention until the end of the show when I talk about what's coming up ahead, but he is mm-hmm. involved in the mini. So we're going to be talking about. So, Oh, there you go. Um, let me see who else had Calvin McGee for the uh, bucks had 72 yards receiving. Uh, Ron Brown had 91 yards receiving in a TD for the Rams. Henry Ellard at 82 yards in a TD for the Rams. So let me go back here. The Broncos 31 to 17 winners at Jack Murphy Stadium. LA 347 yards, three TDs on a pick. Dan Fouts has got to be near the end of his career at this point. Um, 322 yards, but two picks. I think he retired at the end of the following season. Okay. I think he retired. I think he retired in 88 after 88 because by then he'd have been in the league probably 14 years at that point. And then he went to so. the uh, booth, right? Then he went to the booth. Yeah, he went to the CBS booth. Uh, yeah. 118 yards receiving for Ricky Nittell, uh Touchdown. Vance Johnson at 88 yards on a TD. Um, Gary Anderson for the, the Chargers, 85 yards receiving. Lionel James, 87 yards receiving. West Channel at 67 yards. Kellen Winslow Sr. still here. Five catches, 49 yards. Good guy. I met him in when I was in high school. Good guy, oh, Kellen nice. Winslow. Good guy. Uh, yep. One of the great performances in NFL history was in that double overtime playoff game. Oh, the epic in Miami. He almost he he he, is, he was cramping up so bad and he was throwing up. But meanwhile, he caught like 15 passes in that game. It was like 99 degrees. Ridiculous. Crazy. crazy. Absolutely okay. crazy. Yep. All right. Uh, Washington over the Giants, 23 to 19. Of course. We mentioned uh, this would be the Super Bowl season for Washington, but uh, mm-hmm. Jay Schroeder had the start for this one for Washington. 28 for 46, 331 yards, three TDs, two picks. Phil Sims, 236 yards, a TD and a pick. Gary Clark had 112 yards receiving for a TD. The ever, uh, ever receiving TD went to, where's Ricky Standers? Six catches, 96 yards. And let's see. The Giants spread out their receiving yards all over the place. Like Tony Gelbriff had 54 yards. Mark Bravaro had 37 yards. Lionel Manuel had 15, 35 yards. Mark Ingram Sr. had 18 yards. Joe Morris had 25 yards receiving with 76 yards rushing. But uh, the Sunday night game. Now, remember, Scott, this was the first year of Sunday night football. Because yes, yep. Let me, let's see what who got eliminated here. Oh, strike uh, force. No. Is that, 
Strike. Oh yeah. Out. Yeah. Yep. All oh, the tag champs have been out. Oh. So it's now down to uh, is it three to three to three in terms of teams? Three to three. I think. He got hit. He got hit with the megaphone because okay. uh, Tito had hit Neidhart with the flying uh, burrito, as, uh, as fucking Jesse used to say. Oh God! But he got hit with the megaphone, so Strike Force got knocked out. Oh, and I see uh, the, the Barf is back refereeing. Yes, Barf. Barf. <laughs> or John yes. Rowland, whatever. John, John, this is what I like about doing shows with you, Greg, because you grew up on my side of the country. So I get all the Channel 5, Channel 11, Channel 4 references. I appreciate that. Um, uh, okay, so, yeah, as I mentioned, this would be the first year of Sunday Night Football because ESPN would have it like second half of the season. And I don't think they'd add the first half until TNT got their got part of the package in 90. Right, right. Yep. And it, it'd be like TNT first half, ESPN second half until like 98 when ESPN got it full time. Got the whole thing. Right. Correct. Yep. So, OK, the Sunday night game, 49ers against the Browns at Candlestick, 38-24 for the 49ers with the win. Bernie, 275 yards, a TD and interception. Joe Montana, 23 for 31, 342 yards, four TDs and a pick. Uh, let's see. Jerry Rice had three touchdowns, 126 yards, and um, mm. uh, 65 yards and a TD for Brian Brennan. Uh, Ernest Biner had 83 yards receiving uh, with eight receptions, rushed for 42 yards, over 100 yards of purpose. And uh, let me see. Anyone have a. Oh, Charles Haley had a sack for the Niners. That's oh, good. okay. And uh, Harris Barton had a fumble recovery. Um, but the Browns, I should mention, they went ten and five that year because, of course, this show's in Cleveland, and unfortunately, they would fall short in the AFC Championship game to the Broncos again with, with the fumble by Ernest Biner. Yes. 38 to 33 was the final in that game, and of course, the Broncos would go on to Super Bowl 22. And lose to the Skins as uh, Doug Williams five touchdown passes in the uh, in the game, and I think thirty five points in the second quarter. Yeah. And, and Timmy falling. Smith, Timmy Smith rushed for two hundred yards. Yep, and then never heard from him again. Uh, and then by eighty nine, I think uh, Doug Williams was benched for um, Mark, Rippen. Mark Rippen. Yeah, and Jay Schrader would end up getting traded to the Raiders. Eventually. And of course, Mark Rippon would have his moment of glory in 91 In 91 with that very good Washington team. Actually, I think that was the best of the well, the 82 team was pretty good, even though that was a strike year. But um, man, I totally forgot the awesome guinea fro of uh, Paul Roma at this point in 87. It was it was uh, he was very fluffy. So on the heel side, you've got the Hart Foundation, the new dream team and the Islanders. And on the baby face side, you've got the Young Stallions. Uh, the Killer Bees, and I th- think the Bulldogs are still in it if they get a wide shot of the ring. I didn't – I just want to remember, make sure I get that right. I think the Bulldogs are still in it. Yeah, because I think that's uh, – so, I think that's uh, – that head right – that hand right there belongs. Here we go. Uh, yep, Bulldogs are still there. So it's Bulldogs, Young Stallions, and Killer Bees – Against the new dream team, the Har Foundation, and uh, 
the Islanders. Okay. So this is almost the end for for Johnny V. I think Johnny V pretty much disappears soon too. I don't think he I don't think he goes too deep into eighty eight with the no. company. I think he I think he retires and does pretty much comedy at this point at that point. One thing I wanted to mention, Scott, um, yeah. while we're watching this, um, and it should, this is the first year I said of ESPN getting a Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. And of course, that also means it's the first year of NFL primetime. Yes. With uh, Boomer, Tom Jackson. And I think first couple of years, they were joined by the late, great Pete Axelm. Yes, I loved Pete. Pete was a funny guy. Uh, good handicapper. And... Uh, they wanted to get somebody to be the equivalent of Jimmy the Greek, who was still with. It would only be another. It'd be another. I think it was that following winter that he would make his yeah. nonsensical comments that cost him his job. Um, I think, but I'm pretty sure Jimmy the Greek was still on the NFL today. At yeah. This point. And that then NFL. Be, yeah. Uh, and then NFL '87 on NBC was probably Bob Costas, I assume. And I think maybe Paul McGuire was on the uh, yep game show at that point, or with a mod. Yep. Um, obviously, your your main broadcast teams, of course, Pat Summerall, John Madden on CBS, still the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest football commentary team ever. Followed closely behind by the main guys on NBC, which was Dick Emberg and Merlin Olson, also oh, amazing. Merlin Olson is so was so great. He really was. He was silky smooth. I mean, he was on Little House. He was an honest guy. He had that honest face. But he knew his football. He definitely knew his football. And uh, he was good with Dick. They were a good team. And then, and then yeah, of course, you had Pat and John uh, on CBS. And I love Pat and John. And then you had uh, Dan, uh, Dan Crick, Don Cricky and Bob Trumpy. Oh, I love the, They were great on NBC. They were the B team. Yeah, they were like the number two team on NBC. Uh, who's the number two team on CBS? I guess I it would it, be... Tim Ryan, maybe. No, Vern was Vern doing games. Yeah, CBS? Vern was probably. Yeah, Vern was probably doing. I feel like Vern was doing more college football too. But you might be right. Maybe Vern was like the number two. Was the number two guy? Uh, Dick Stockton me, did a lot it, of. Dick Stockton was definitely there at that point. Yeah. Well, Dick was doing almost. Dick was doing all the uh, NBA basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I, being a Laker fan, I remember Dick very well as play-by-play for all those uh, NBA oh. finals. Oh, hold on, Scott. The Monday night game. Do you want to know what the Monday night game was that week? I assume it was a banger. <laughs> oh, it, this is a legendary game. The Raiders against the Seahawks at the Kingdom. Ah, Ra- yes. Raiders 37 to 14. Bo Jackson, 221 yards, two touchdowns. And we all know what happens. Yep. He, Both touchdowns. Oh, Both touchdowns. And then he, ru- he trucks. Brian Bosworth. Yep. And goes running into the Kingdom Tunnel. And running into the tunnel. Oh, my God. And, and you know what's is... funny? Yeah. Oh, God. No, God, say your point. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, a few years later, I don't think it came out in 87. I probably came out a couple years later. But I remember when Tech Mobile came out uh, as the Bulldogs just got eliminated by the Islanders. Um, my buddy and I, my buddy, now, obviously, I'm a Cowboy fan, but I, lo- I like all I like all teams or most teams. Uh, my buddy growing up, one of my best friends, still still one of my best friends to this day, 
a diehard Raider fan. Um, we used to play tech. We did tech mobile. And I remember we took the Raiders. I would play offense. You would play defense. And this was of course, Tecmo Bo, because Bo is the greatest video game athlete ever. Uh, in 16, I remember it very vividly. In 16 games, I had Bo rush for 5,114 <laughs> yards and 47 touchdowns. Meanwhile, my buddy played defense, and Howie Long had 41 sacks. Oh, <laughs> that's even better. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Because <laughs> oh I used to have Bo go all the way back to the one. And then score, and then run ninety nine yards for a touchdown. Because like guys Pete, just bounce off them. It was ridiculous. You're like, you're like Peter Griffin at one episode of Family Guy against Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Oh uh, god. But here's what's crazy: Borkus Allen is the backup running back, seventy six yeah. yards on eight carries. So how great is that? You have Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen as your one two. I know. And, uh, yeah, that was crazy. And of course, uh, he would stay in LA till when did he go to the chiefs? 93 with, uh, Montana. So he stayed that. So Marcus Allen was that miserable <laughs> until 1992. That's crazy. Uh, cause, what? uh, he what? was him and him and Al Davis never got along. Oh, if you no. watch the, uh, if you watch the, uh, if you watch the uh, the America's team or America's game, you know the all the Super Bowl oh, shows. If you watch the one, yeah. If you watch the one for the '83 Raiders, uh, the the year they won Super Bowl eighteen, uh, he tells you that him and Al Davis did not get along. Um, even though he won him a ring with that amazing run. Uh, Isn't he Super in Bowl as a Chief? Washington. I think in the Hall of Fame. No, yeah. he's a Raider. Oh, okay. Well, they remember they don't put helmets on because they have the their busts are. Oh, that's true. They, they just go. They just go win. This is in the uh, baseball hall of fame, so. No, where you have to, yeah. No, you have to. We get to, you know, you have to. If you want your plaque with a certain hat, you got to get a job like uh, the. That that cracked me up. That story that that's that's pretty prevalent, where the the Rays offered Wade Boggs, the general manager's position, if he went into the Hall of Fame with a Rays hat on. Is that ludicrous or what? And then, of course, you know, uh, Winfield got offered like $2 million by the Yankees to go in as a Yankee. And I think he went in as a Padre. But and then that and then the Hall of the, the, the Cooperstown said, you know what? To hell with all of you. We'll pick the hat. And then, of course, Gary Carter got screwed and had to go into the Hall as an expo, even though he wanted to go in as a Met. Oh, there'll never be any expos in the Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, both Andre Dawson and Tim Raines are in Cooperstown with expo hats. So, well. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Scott, at least Piazza got in as a Met. So yes, Mike Pete's. Yeah, he did not go in as a Dodger. He went in as a Met. There's technically three Mets in the Hall of Fame if you count Willie Mays. But um, although this year's ballot has uh, quite a few Mets, actually. Uh, yeah, of course, David, I, yeah, David, David Wright. David Wright. I don't uh, think though he's going to get like more than fifteen percent or something. David Wright had great up oh, the new dream team just got eliminated by the young stallions. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see DW get in. Uh, he's, he's like one of my top like five favorite Mets of all time. But uh, and, and I think number five will hang off city field at some point. But uh, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, and again. Hate to say it, kind of like with Coco Beware and the WWE Hall of Fame. 
Yeah. Is he well, any worse than Harry Baines? <laughs> well, well, let's, let's let me be honest, Scott. They did give Terrell Davis a spot in the football hall of fame, even though he had like like three or four great years. Yeah. Well, it's like Sandy Koufax is in the Hall of Fame, and he really only had five good years. I mean, they were amazing. I mean, he won like 26 games all the time, and he had, had like, six, what, four perfect games or whatever, but it was all yeah. between 1963, 1962, and 1966, and then he retired. Uh, yeah, um, well, imagine what's going to happen when DeGrom is eligible for the Hall of Fame. Like, Oh, Jesus. We'll see if his elbow ever gets any better. Uh, um, so now we're down to the Killer Bees. And the Young Stallions on one side. And the Hart Foundation is, I think, alone on the other side. I don't know if the... Let's double check. I don't know if the Islanders got eliminated. I think they did. No, they're still there. So it's Islanders, Hart Foundation on one side. Killer Bees, Young Stallions on the other side. Kudos to Vince for letting uh, the Young Stallions hang around, you know, instead of jobbing out quick. You know, they let more established teams like the Bulldogs get eliminated um, and let the uh, Stallions hang around. Uh, kudos to Vince and the booking committee for letting the young Stallions stay in the match, you know? Of course, when talking about Paul Roma, obviously, you can't help but mention... Uh, power and glory with Hercules a couple of oh, years of course. later. Oh yeah, tremendous tremendous heel tag team. Probably probably could have been uh probably could have been a world, you know, tag team champion had uh you know circumstances uh fit properly. And I love that they wore those uh back to the future two Pizza Hut ish shades. Yes. <laughs> that is true. I concur with you on that. Just to give you, for those that are uh, that are listening to our pod for the first time here on Wrestle Tracks, welcome. It's good to have you. Uh, we started this in August. It actually goes back to when we were doing uh, when Stream Lounge was up, and Greg and I were doing some live watches. But we started officially started the Wrestle Tracks brand. In nineteen uh, in August with SummerSlam '89, then in uh, September we did In Your House Mind Games from uh, September of '96, and then last month we did uh, Halloween Havoc in 1995. So uh, we just sit, we do a fun live watch, we talk about what was going on in the world, sports, TV, etc. As a matter of fact, uh, coming up right before the main event. Uh, Greg will let us know what was on TV on this night if you were yes. not buying the pay-per-view, uh, what was on television. We'll do that in a little bit right before the main event. And also, we got to mention the Cavs, because obviously this is the home of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. What was their 87-88 season like, uh, Greg? If, I don't know if you have that in front of you. but I have it right here on Basketball Reference. They were 42-40, oh, yeah. and 40, finished fifth in the Central Division with Lenny Wilkins as coach. Yes. They lost in the first round to the Bulls uh, three games to two. I, I believe that is the Jordan shot series over uh, Craig Elo. Uh, I believe that was the next year. Let me confirm that. I thought uh, that was 89. That would be the next year. You're right. Because I'm looking. Right, so, 
Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 89 was the year that they, uh, was the uh, Craigie, shot at Elo, God! Yes, and the fist pump. Um, But this would be, 88 would actually be the first of three straight postseasons that the Bulls would get knocked out by the Pistons. Um, This year, I think it was the Eastern Conference semifinals, and then the next two years, 89 and 90, the two years the, the Pistons would win the world title. Uh, they got they uh, knocked out Michael in the conference finals. And, of course, Michael would get back at them in 91. And the Pistons walked off the court because they were a bunch of spoiled brats. Uh, and an, act not, so. an act uh, of cowardice not seen until Super Bowl 42. Uh, yes, that is true. Yep. When Belichick and Brady all both walked off the field. Well, no, they need 19 wins and one giant loss, as they say uh, in, on the T-shirts. Or, or 18 and oh no. I think that was the other one. <laughs> um, let me uh, tell you some of the players on the Cavs this year. Ah, yes. Brad Doherty, mm-hmm. uh, second year. Because remember, Scott, in 86, they traded with the Sixers for the number one pick. Oh, did they really? Yeah, because the Sixers won the lottery. Who'd they get in return? I got other look. stuff. Because that's crazy. Yeah. I guess they thought, oh, well, we got, like, Moses Malone, and uh, we don't need Brad Doherty. Right. Okay, so it was from Cleveland via the Clippers via Philadelphia. So the Sixers got the Clippers pick, and then they traded it to the Cavs. Ah, okay. And then, uh, then oh, God, yeah, I... The number two pick, oh, uh, I don't want to mention that because we all know what happened with that. It was a... Uh, yes, it was Len Bias. Yeah. Yes, Len Bias. We all know that story. We won't get into that. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Craig Elo, I mentioned. Ron Harper in its second season. Um, a rookie Kevin Johnson at this point before he went to the Suns. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Larry Nance, of course. And then uh, yep. Mark Price is in second season. Hot Rod Williams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hot Rod number 18. Hot Rod Williams. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that this is a good this is a good lineup of players they got here. And, of course, Lenny Wilkins would be there for a while. Obviously, the Cavs had uh, recovered from the uh, hell of the Ted Stepien era. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, Scott, I know you mentioned 88 with the Pistons, and I I know we'd be remiss not to mention that great 88 final with the Lakers. Uh, it, it was amazing. It was one of the most uh, – the, and after <clears> – the funny thing about that, that postseason for the Lakers, of course, the year before in 87, they won 65 games, mowed through the, the playoffs. They only lost one game. Uh, going into the finals, that was to Golden State when Sleepy Floyd scored like 27 points in the fourth quarter. They beat the Celtics in six, but 88 was the was the grind, and you could tell that 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 age was starting to wear on their legs. They swept. I want to say it was Sacramento in the first round, but then three straight seven game series in the Western Semis. Uh, they went seven with Utah in the West Finals. They went seven with Dallas. And then in the finals, they went seven with uh, with the Pistons. And they just got grind into the ground. And then what's funny is the following year in 89, the Lakers went undefeated in the playoffs until they faced the Pistons. And then everybody got hurt and they got swept. Yeah. But 
But the 88 finals, Pistons stole game one at the Forum. Lakers came back one game two. Pist- Lakers would win game three. Uh, remember, this was the last year that the Pistons would play at the Silverdome. Uh, the following year, the uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills would open. Um, the Lakers stole game three in a grinder. And then the Lakers and then the Pistons would lose, would win easily the next two games. And then the Lakers would play, they played two, the both teams would play two amazing nail biters in the next, in games six and seven. And the Lakers would win. And then, and then uh, Pat Riley was going to goof about a three peat and then Kareem uh, made him gag. So gagged a towel on him. That was probably a smart thing. Yes. I mean, they got close. Like I said, they went undefeated in the playoffs. They swept the first three rounds in 89. But then uh, Byron Scott got hurt. Then in game two at the Palace, Magic popped his hammy, and that was pretty much – Tony Campbell had to start at point guard, and uh, that was that was pretty much the end of that. The Pistons would uh... – then the following year in 90, the Lakers lost in the conference semis to Phoenix. Then they, had, then they would have the one nostalgia year in 91 where they would face Michael, and then, of course, uh, Magic got HIV, and we all know what happened after that. But the 88 finals uh, were a great series. It was a great series. And I believe on commentary, I believe it was, uh, obviously we mentioned Stockton, but Billy Cunningham was the color guy for that finals. Yeah, he replaced um, Tommy Heinsohn. Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah, Billy. Billy was good. I like Tommy Heinsohn. He was, he, he, I had to his credit, he didn't let the, no. uh, his Celtics uh, bias no. bleed in. He kept uh, it down the middle. He did. He would criticize the Celtics when they deserved it. So I gave Tommy Heinsohn credit for that. I mean, once he went to like Sportsnet Boston, he became. Oh, a then he could homer. do whatever he wanted. To yeah, he became a total homer, but that's fine. He just that's fine. Um, yeah, Billy Cun- eighty-eight, Billy Cunningham, and I think Billy, I think Billy Cunningham would stay the color guy with Stockton pretty much the last three years of. Uh, well, no, because that's term. No. Well, no, because he got a front office job with the Heat because they they had just started in. Oh, right. And then uh, um, Hubie was on for the final. That's right. He came back. That's right. That's right. And it would be Stockton and Hubie for the next two years or the next year, I guess, 90. And then that was that. And then, of course, uh, the following year was NBC's would begin their contract. So. Um, Meanwhile, this tag match just keeps on trucking along. Yeah, the Hart Foundation are out, so now it's down to the Stallions and the Bees against the Islanders. See, this was the best thing, and I think I, I remember Jr. and I talking about this on on our on our uh, on the Vault Pod for this years back. Um, well, not years back when we redid it for the. Is that uh, you had the opportunity since there were no titles on the line? It was just team stuff. It was a good chance for like some other entity. Yep, there he is. Sure, tails out because he's a fucking disaster. Um. <laughs> And of course, uh, Dave uh, Hebner is on the outside. Um, a match like this, and and even we talked about it with the mid card, and it gave the like some other teams some shine without having to really sacrifice much. So the fact that the Bees, the Stallions, and the Islanders were left, while like the heavy, like the the main event level tags, like Demolition and the, the Hearts and the Bulldog, like they're all gone, and Strike Force, the champions, it gives these teams some shine. Without really having to like, you know, do something else to take away from, uh, like a title match or something like that. So that was good to see. Like you're watching some of these other teams kind of get some shine, and since he's met, it's only four matches on the card, they could work long. 
and really give themselves time to really develop and 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 get something going in the ring. So I always thought that was pretty cool that uh that uh you know that they could pull that off. That was one thing I think that that gave Survivor Series such value early on is that a lot of these teams and guys that would not get a lot of shine on a pay-per-view uh can get shine without you know, tag match, you know, titles involved and guys having a job and stuff like that. So, <laughs> the baby faces were so baby face, you know, walking around doing their little like Jim Brunzel was doing his little hot to trot dance there after the fin- after his move. And it's so baby faces were so uh, wishy washy <laughs> and happy go lucky. Oh, hold on. Brian Boyer's got the mask. Oh, boy. Well, referee Barf did a terrible job there. Referee Barf. So there we go. So our survivors are the Young Stallions and the Killer Bees. How about that, huh? Chance for the Young Stallions to get some some love there. Oh, look at that guy in that Indiana sweater. Nice. Well, don't forget, uh, uh, Greg, that the... Bobby Knight's Hoosiers were the defending national champions because earlier that year at the silver at the I almost I almost pulled a Hogan there at the <laughs> Superdome, uh, uh, Keith Smart hit the shot to beat uh, Syracuse. So Indiana was the defending national champions uh, going into this season eighty seven eighty eight. So. Speaking of the other day. Uh, I was randomly perusing ESPN plus cause I have the, the, the bundle and I actually watched the last days of night 30 for 30 about the tail end of his term at Indiana with the choking of Neil Reed and all that stuff. Uh, it was pretty good. Sad, sad because, uh, you know, Bobby Knight's one of the greatest ever. He just passed away earlier this month. Um, I love that survivor series shirt that, Jesse's got. I wonder if they were just selling him there. Oh, hold on, Scott. We got this piece with Ted DiBiase here. Yes, we got a DiBiase vignette. He hadn't debuted yet uh, in WWE. He would, or maybe if he did, he maybe just was in uh, Cindy stuff. He was not at this show, which I'm kind of surprised about. Maybe not. These pieces like really established like him. Oh, totally. He was smart to be leaving uh Mid South when he did. Because <laughs> by eighty seven when uh when they were bought by Crockett and became UWF, uh, they were circling the bowl. 
What kind of car do you think it is he's in? It looks like a Bentley or something, or like an old Rolls. It looks like some like really old vintage car. Yeah, oh, I wonder like, if they'll show. Uh, I wonder if they'll show very young uh, RVD. Yeah. Oh wait, I I think I remember how this happens here. Oh, one short. Hmm. Well, I guess your best wasn't good enough. And Virgil's just shaking his head like, no. And Virgil's like, yeah, it's not good enough. You're not going to be getting those Olive Gordon breadsticks. <laughs> oh, this is the best. Oh, yeah, he could use that $500, this kid. What do you think, Scott? You think he could dribble that basketball 15 times? Yes, I de- most definitely can. If if I could do it away from Virgil kicking it or whatever. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Oh, oh. you jerk, Ted. Oh. This kid's like, I don't know what to say. What a jerk face. That was uh, DiBiase in his classic uh, alternate purple tuxedo. I guess we're not going to see the uh, maybe. Maybe it didn't happen yet with uh, young RVD. Oh, uh, a T-shirt. Wow, they did like a whole uh, DiBiase montage here. Oh wait, we got this awkward fade out. Yeah, that was weird. Oh, Scott, I know what's coming up here. <laughs> Look at this, Jezebel. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Linda's saying rough. That's what she had to say when she lost to Blumenfall in 2010. (laughs) Oh, God. I saw Virgil just casually standing there with like. With his pink pink top on. Oh, it's awesome. It is awesome. And DiBiase's got purple on. I think that's pretty awesome, too. There's oh, RV. there's, there's RVD. There's RVD. Guessing that was at uh, the Joe. The Joe or, you know, Kalamazoo or something like that. Or one of those smaller arenas, perhaps.
Wow. So they. Uh, so instead of just going to the next match, I wonder what they did in the arena. Made people watch this? Probably. Maybe it was like an intermission for them. Yeah. For the main event. Oh, this is great. He's going to close the pool. <laughs> I think it's kind of sad that, that they made this poor uh, municipal worker into a bribing scumbag. <laughs> And they caught it all on film. I know he could go to prison for that. Gotta get out of the pool, kids. (laughs) I just got bribed by this guy. A rare instance of Virgil talking right there. Yes. That's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful uh, fur coat that, uh, that DiBiase is wearing. Ha Ha gorilla uh, So great so We're in the same color uh, jacket that uh, DiBiase was So that kind of ate up some time Because we only have one match left So they did the DiBiase Uh uh, vignettes to eat up some time because that was probably a good 15 minutes. So, so, so um, while the grill and Jesse are recapping everything, how about mm-hmm. uh, we talk about what was on TV this night of November 26, 1987? Yes, because for those that like myself who did not get the pay per view because I was not home, uh, what was on television? Okay, well, on ABC, we have a new episode of Sledgehammer. Followed by oh. Yeah, Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. What a, what a classic. Yes. Followed, followed by an episode of The Charmings. It was a I, I believe it was like a fairy tale themed show. Sitcom. The Charmings. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll eventually that. get to that. Yeah. Hmm. But then we had a movie on ABC. Norman Rockwell's Breaking Home Ties. Oh, how 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 holiday <laughs> and on cbs we had a bugs bunny special followed by a daffy duck special and really? then yeah I wanted to get that's the kids funny. with cartoons yeah that's true and, and then on uh cbs at nine you had part two of two of gandhi oh good christ <laughs> i got punished once by having to watch gandhi Spoiler. Spoiler. He has a hunger strike. Yeah, spoiler. He's bald. Um, Probably (laughs) that night, because I didn't watch Survivor Series, I bet you if you 
looked up, say, ESPN, they probably had, because the tradition usually on, on Thanksgiving night was the Egg Bowl, which is always the game between Ole Miss and uh, Mississippi State. Yes. That was always that was always on uh, Thanksgiving night. Then back in the old school days, uh, there were a lot of rivalry games the next day, the Friday after. Ohio State, uh, Michigan, uh, Michigan, Colorado, Colorado, Nebraska, Texas, Texas A&M, back when these teams were all in the conferences they were supposed to be in. Texas, Texas A&M, and then that weekend would be the Iron Bowl, uh, Alabama, Auburn. Um, if uh, Notre Dame would, if if Notre Dame and USC were playing in LA, it would be that weekend. If Notre Dame and USC had played in South Bend, it would have been earlier in the year, and Notre Dame usually played Stanford. Notre Dame always played the last game of the year on the road against a team from California. It was either USC or Stanford, one of the two. Okay. Uh, Yale Harvard usually played the game, although they this year they just played this past Saturday. Um, Yale Harvard would play the last. The, that weekend was always rivalry weekend. Then if there were conference championships, which back in 1987, I don't think there were many. Not until uh, the SEC in 91. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the last regular season, and this will never change, no matter who wants to change it, the last regular season game of the year is always the Army-Navy game. And that would be in a couple of weeks, usually first or second Sunday in, uh, a Saturday in uh, uh, December. So, um, so yeah, so if you didn't watch anything on the, uh, uh, I think they're starting to talk to, oh, they're getting ready for the main event. Yeah. I don't think they got into the, rumble contract signing until after christmas yeah when when andre would ask for his rematch or whatever so um i need to mention what was on nbc yes Uh, on nbc we had reruns of the cosby show in a different world but on uh nine o'clock we had a new episode of cheers and we talked about this on the show because we had a commercial for it during one of the breaks on the Thanksgiving Day Parade episode for 87. The pilot for a show called Mama's Boy, which, believe it or not, Scott, was the third aired episode of the show. Oh, geez. I, and they aired it, like, so completely out of order. Like, the next new episode of this show didn't air until, like, April of 88. That's so, this so was, bizarre. That, what a real winner they had on their hands, I guess. That is so weird. And then at 10 o'clock, I guess there was a revival of This Is Your Life because it aired at 10 o'clock. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, so they're going to have interviewed Jimmy Hart and the Hockey Talk Man here. Wow, they really are eating the clock, huh? They're really stalling for time. So actually, you know, while they're doing that, let me mention what was on the following day on Friday. Okay. So, so ABC, they had repeat, a repeat of Full House because this was first season of Full House. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Married Dora, previous entry on it, was a thing on TV at 8.30. And at 9 o'clock, new episode of Mr. Belvedere. 9.30, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. And then 20.20 at 10 o'clock because, you know, 20.20 was like the king at 10 o'clock on Friday night. Yes. ABC. Well, 2020 was like the ABC equivalent of 60 minutes. Yeah. Just on a different night. 
but same type of show, obviously. And of course, Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters, like what a legendary combo that was. Barbara Wawa um, passed away. Yeah, I think a year and a half ago, too, or maybe at the beginning of uh, coming into this year. Yeah. 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 She died around the same time. Um, Freaking Don West died. Yes. Uh, CBS, you had Beauty and the Beast in a new episode of uh, Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. Mm-hmm. D- Dallas at nine and then Falcon Crest at ten. Yep, those are my mom's shows. Dallas. Well, I love Dallas because Texas Stadium was in the opening credits. But uh, but my mom watched both that and Falcon Crest. That was a big night for her. And then yep. on N- NBC, you had Wonderful World of Disney, Disney Celebrity Circus. Oh, jeez, really? They still aired that in the late 80s? I don't remember that. Well, I think That's it was funny. on ABC and just moved to NBC at this point. Oh, okay. But then at 9 o'clock, this is great, Scott. We had the network television premiere of Police Academy. Yes. Yes. Love. Oh, so good. So good. I did like the second one there, first assignment. I almost like that oh, yeah. one better. Um, I'm more partial to Citizens on Patrol. That's a good one. The first four. Oh, the Gutenberg ones are classic. Yeah. Yes. Um, When Gutenberg left and they had Matt McCoy, uh, not the same. (laughs) Even even though we all love him as Lloyd Braun. Yes. (laughs) Lloyd Braun. Uh, so good. Oh, by the way, if if you listen to the 1983 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade episode, one of the early episodes we did, it, it was a thing on TV. He's there at the 83 parade because he's there with the cast of We Got It Made, and he's singing on the float, and it's glorious. If you ever wanted to hear Lloyd Braun sing, there you go. <laughs> and now, finally, we are getting to our main event as uh, the heel team is walking to the ring now. First, uh, ravishing Rick Rude, who debuted uh, earlier in the year uh, in WWF. He was in Crockett. As a matter of fact, he was one half of he had left Crockett while he and Manny Fernandez were the uh, NWA tag team champions. Um, and then I think uh, Ivan Koloff replaced Rude for a little bit and then Crockett. Then they lost. I think they lost to. Uh, shit. I don't remember who now. Was it Ronnie Garvin and, uh, no, it wasn't Ronnie Garvin and Barry Windham. I'm trying to think who, who it was. But yeah. And of course, Bundy, you know, typical Hogan villain. And now the guy who was supposed to be Intercontinental Champion, if he chose to show up to his bookings, the natural Butch Reed. Idiot. Instead, we got stuck with fucking honky for 900 days or whatever the hell it was. Um, one man gang, of course. However, if you ask Jr., he should have immediately become Akeem and skipped all of this. Um, okay, to answer your question, Scott, they lost the uh, uh, the main Fernandez recruit team, dropped the belts with uh, Ivan to the Rock and Roll Express. Right. Okay, that makes sense. May 26th, 1987, to spoke in Spokane, Washington. Okay, that makes sense. Rock and Roll Express. And then I think they would end up losing to, like... Arn and Tully. Arn and Tully in September. And then Arn and Tully lost quickly to 
Barry and Luger. And then, of course, that's when and then they lost when Barry turned and joined the Horsemen. And here is our captain. Still imposing and still amazingly awesome. The uh, great Andre the Giant. The next, the next heavyweight champion of the world, Andre the Giant. I wonder if, I'm trying to think now, well, we thought Hogan never lost, but um, this was probably, again, another reason for this show was like, you know, a safe bet for, uh, a safe bet for uh, the heels to win without anybody getting damaged. In any capacity. Now, obviously, we can't go. You know, we used to not think that way back in the uh, in the uh, '80s. But um, Hogan's got the Hogan. cool. This is when Hogan's got the tassels thing going on in his uh, headband. Oh, that's awesome! I like a I like a Hogan just headbutted Bigelow. That was pretty great. Hogan didn't have that world title belt too much longer. By 88, we get the uh, official debut of the uh, Winged Eagle. So the babyface team is Hulk Hogan, our world champion. Bam Bam Bigelow. The Rock Don Morocco, who had turned face earlier in the year. Ken Patera with his creamy legs and uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who, of course, would not last too much longer as he returned face after turning heel, after turning face, after being a heel. <laughs> I just find it funny that he dumped Bobby twice. Yes. I find it funny that he's on a team with Hogan <laughs> again. Maybe he answered uh, the phone this time. Yeah, he answered the phone this time. <laughs> oh, God. So while the interviews are going on, Jesus, Hogan just wants to beat the shit out of Bigelow. Good God. So I'll announce it now while we're waiting for the participants so we can, we'll be able to exit out of here. Uh, we'll uh, save the time at the end. So for December, everyone, our final wrestle tracks of 2023. Uh, Mr. Diener chose uh, three shows of varying eras and varying uh, promotions. So here they are. Uh, now we're going to let me just look at my calendar so I have this right. The polling will begin on the PTB. On the place to be group page, uh, let me just make sure I do my numbers right. On, let's see, on Monday, December 11th, and we'll go until December 18th. So you get a full week to vote, and then Greg and I will obviously record and we'll post it uh, at the end of the month. So your choices will be, think about it. You have a few weeks now, a couple weeks to think about it. I mentioned an AWA show. We are one of your choices will be Super Clash 
three. That is the one from December of 88 that had the Jerry Lawler, Kerry Von Erich unification match where Kerry accidentally cuts his arm open because he's fucked up on something and didn't realize it because he's that he had one of his one of his uh, blades taped to his finger because he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> choice number two. What the fuck is Ken Patera wearing? It looks like some type of bondage tights. I just noticed that. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, choice number two. Uh, one of my favorite shows, actually. Uh, and a good up and down card. Starcade 1993. Which, of course, had the main event of Ric Flair versus Vader. In the Flair retires if he loses match. Plus a bevy of other solid matches. And then the third one, uh, Vengeance 2001, which, of course, marked the unification of the belts and Chris Jericho and et cetera, et cetera. So there will be your choices. So think about it. You've got about three weeks. And then on Monday, December 11th, polls will open and you'll have one week to vote. Super Clash 3, Starcade 1993, or Vengeance 2001. I'll be very interested, Greg, to see what people think. Yeah. I that was a little more unpredictable. I had a feeling I had a feeling people were going to pick this show over Starcade 87. I had a feeling. This show's very nostalgic for a lot of people this time of year. So, um this would this didn't surprise me, but but I got to say I think uh, our December picks are kind of wide open. Yeah. You know? We got we got one from the 80s, one from the 90s and one from the aughts. I think that's Ots. our first pick from the odds. So, yep, pick from the odds. We have three different promotions: AWA, WCW, and then WWF. So, uh, two different choice, three different promotions there. Um, now, looking ahead to January, uh, I've been thinking. Somebody asked me. I think it was Doctor G asked me. Are you going to – because obviously with January, most people think we'll probably put three uh, three Royal Rumbles. Um, but Dr. G asked me – he goes, you should throw like a, a – you know, a, what is it? A, something in the cookie jar or a flying ointment and put a sold out in there. Um, we got time to think about that. So yeah. We'll, we'll jump ahead. But I, I said, I, you know what? I agree with you. But it is January. It's it is the Rumble, and this year's Rumble, of course, will be down at the Trop. Uh, so maybe yeah. we'll do all Tampa Rumbles. No, I don't want to watch 1995. I'm sorry, it's not happening. Uh, <laughs> do we want? We'll pick- do we want to watch the Thunderdome Pandemic Royal Rumble? Oh, oh Jesus! Oh God! I forgot that they were in Tampa. Yeah, you're right. Oh my God! Uh, they're going back to that building, or was that it? Was that at the Trop? It was at the Trop for 2021. Yeah. Yeah, so, but now with guys, oh my God, wow. You know, it's funny we're watching a match with The Rock Don Morocco right now because uh, the 2024 Major League Ballot came out, as we talked earlier, and uh, we talk about the steroid era, and holy crap, I think uh, Morocco was bathing in it at this point, this point 87. Because he, uh, oh. he was quite plump in 86, and now he's like fucking ripped. He's like ridiculous. <laughs> Well, hold on. Maybe Jose Canseco after he gave the HGH to Charlie Brown at the parade. Charlie Brown, yeah. Gave the to oh. uh, Don Morocco. For more oh, about my. HGH, Charlie Brown, refer to the It Was a Thing on TV when we talk 
talk about HGH Charlie Brown at the 87 Thanksgiving Day Parade. That is crazy. Oh, gee, you saw that picture of Charlie Brown. Yes, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. He's like seven inches taller than Lucy and Linus. It's like Andre the Brown, Andre the Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown the Giant. Oof. Hogan coming out like a house of fire. For those that may not be who are new to our show, Greg, why don't you give them while, while we get the match kind of fired up here? Yeah. Why don't you give everyone a little idea of how your show, how like what what to expect uh, maybe on your archives and what you guys do on it was a thing on TV, like what kind of things you you guys have done? Uh, well, OK, uh, it was a thing on TV. We usually cover the uh, the short lived, the bizarre and some of the forgotten aspects of television that, you know. You always know, like, your, like, top, like, uh, like, cheers or whatever. But it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't know, for example, what, like, the show that aired, like, at 9.30 after cheers in, like, I don't know, 1986 or whatever. Right. lasted, like, 13 weeks and done. Those are the type of shows we cover. And sometimes we cover some of the forgotten personalities of television also. Like, we're going to cover one I think the next week following the Thanksgiving episodes we're doing, and there's a reason for that. But um, yeah. So I mean, we also cover like bizarre moments in television history that like nobody ever talks about. So right, you kind of have an idea of what to expect, and it's usually like our like we yeah our bizarre commentary, and some of the tangents on our show are just like crazy. It's like. You have to listen to the archive to get like a sense of what the show is about. Right. So check that out. It was a thing on TV. It's over on the PTB pop experience feed, which you can, I think it's ptbmpop.podbean.com, but you can also find it on all your podcast catchers as well. Leg drop and goodbye, Butch Reed. Uh, Joey had to count fast. Yeah. That's what you get, uh, Butch, for not showing up to your tapings and not wanting to be Intercontinental Champion. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Joey's pointing out that, no, Hulk, you tagged Ken Patera first, so that's a tag. Saving Hogan again. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Gorilla has to dig the subtle digs on Joey knowing who he's with. Exactly. And see, they they just missed out on the Hogan Andre. They're just they're teasing everybody. And Andre's like, nope, I don't want none of this shit. <laughs> That is that is the most awesome heel thing ever. It's like Andre looks at Ken Patera and goes, you're not worth my time. <laughs> that was awesome. That was like legit awesome heel work by Andre there. It's like, I don't have time for you. You're, you're just some hump with bad creamy legs. I don't have time for you. And your bondage tights and your goofy arm brace thing. Yeah, go away, jailbird. Jailbird. I'm not going to eat McDonald's with you. Yeah. You and Saito, you get all pissed off and you don't get a quarter pounder at 10 o'clock at night.
Well, Scott, when it's like 1030 at night, you're in the mood for like a, a quarter pounder, some fries and apple pie. It happens to the best of us. Yes. And if you really, really want it bad, you'll just throw a cinder block through the front door. I mean, really, it's common. Well, I'm thankful my neighborhood McDonald's has a 7-Eleven nearby. So in case it's closed, I can just get a big bite. There you go. And a Slurpee or a big gulp. I love Rick Rude's uh, Partridge Family tights. They look like uh, like very Nagel-esque. Yes. I don't believe... uh, Orndorff lasts much longer into 1988 because he's, I believe he's in the Rumble, but uh, I think that's it after that. He's uh, he's definitely not at WrestleMania 4. Right? If I remember, yeah, no, he's not at WrestleMania 4. No, he definitely isn't. He's not in the tournament. No, he's, and he's not, I don't think he's in in the Battle Royal either. Morocco sticks around till uh, least probably end of 88. Yeah, I think he might. Is he at Survivor Series 88? Uh, let me take a look. I don't think he's at the Rumble. No, he's definitely not in the 89 Rumble. I think he goes to EWA after this. Yep, and then he goes to like Herb Abrams' mess, and then eventually shows up in ECW. Let's see, nineteen eighty-eight. All right, let's see. Uh, Warrior Beefcake, Sam Houston, Blue Blazer, uh, Honky, Danny Davis. Nope, he's not there. He's not in the tag team one, right? No. Andre Rude, Bravo, Perfect, and Harley versus Duggan, Jake, Scott Casey. Nope, he's not at Survivor Series 88. Uh, I don't even think he's at, uh, is he at uh, SummerSlam? I think he, SummerSlam, I think he's at. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, um, obviously he can't, because uh, his manager is in the booth. In the booth, so um, maybe he's not actually. No, Morocco, I know definitely is at SummerSlam. Oh, he loses to Dino Bravo. Okay. Yeah. And let me be remiss if I didn't mention the great moment of superstar Billy Graham on commentary at SummerSlam '88. She took off her dress. She took off her skirt. Girl, monsoon. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um. Morocco had his last match in the WWF against Barry Horowitz in October 88 on a tour of Italy, but then was fired. Random. After leaving the WWF, Morocco split his time between Stampede Wrestling, where he defeated Mock and Singh, which of course be the future uh, Norman the Lunatic, to win the North American Heavyweight title. The AWA, where he wrestled Larry Zabisco to a double DQ, All Japan, and yes, Herb Abrams, UWF. Uh, between 88 and 95. Uh, TNA Subber Sizzler, June 9th of 90. Um, here it Tara's, is. Oh, Following Tara's, a lengthy. Oh, sorry, what? Tara's gone. 
No, oh, creamy legs. He jaw. He he gets pinned by one man gang. Uh, his first match in ECW would be June twenty third, nineteen ninety two. Um, but then a few months later, he would defeat J- Jimmy Snuka to win the ECW World Title. So he's here until October of eighty eight. You know, Bam Bam, when he got in here in 87, he was like a big deal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, they did the whole thing with uh, who his manager would be. It's funny. He debuted. This is interesting. So he debuted Morocco in the WWF on February 24th, 1981. And only by June uh, would he win the uh, would he win the Intercontinental title. So he he uh, he was not in the WWF that long. And Vince Sr. immediately booked him, uh, you know, almost to the top of the card. So. So Mr. Wonderful's gone. Four on three now for the heels. There you go. Hmm. It says he went on hiatus from WWF after losing to the IC title to Tito. And then came back in 85. I did not know that. Yeah, I believe if, um, because our vantage point's been doing the cannons, they actually, I I believe, brought that up. Because there's a period where in 85, where Morocco disappears for a bit after he loses, then comes back, of course, with Mr. Fuji, I believe. And obviously, that's when the magic starts. Yes, of course. Fuji Vice. Then you get like Fuji Vice. Fuji Bandito, Fuji General. So bad. So bad, it's great. Yeah. We did Fuji Vice on our pod, on it was a thing on TV, and it's so great. It really it's so it bad, is. It's good. Yeah, it really is. Just the idea of, like, Mr. Fuji as a detective with his top hat. I know. That's insane. But Fuji General's awesome, too. Could you imagine going to like a hospital and there's Mr. Fuji? Mr. Fuji there, yeah. As your doctor. Morocco's trying to hit on all the nurses. This is ridiculous. Imagine if you're getting your diagnosis and Mr. Fuji comes there and he's like, ha ha, big surprise. Oh, they wouldn't even let Morocco slam one man gang. <laughs> oh. Did Hogan eliminate Rude? 
Uh, let's see. Yes. Yeah, Morocco's go- yeah. Morocco's so Morocco's not gone by one main gang. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me. Uh, uh, no, Morocco eliminated Rude. Okay. So to recap, Hogan eliminated Butch, Gang eliminated Patera, Rude eliminated Orendorf, Morocco eliminated Rude, and now just now one man gang eliminated uh, Morocco. This is a good final five here. Yes, you've got uh, Hogan and Morocco on one side. Uh, Hogan and uh, Bigelow on one side. And you've got uh, Bundy, Andre, and Gang on the other side. So a lot of, a lot of beef. A lot of beef in that ring. If this was 2023 AEW, Andre, the Gang, and Bundy would make a great trios tag champ. Yes, new straight trios team, yes. Although I don't know if people think they wouldn't have enough work rate. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Matches, likely. Unless it was in Tokyo, then Dave would give all the matches five stars. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. that. You're all in I got Tokyo. you saying it. I got, Dr. G, I got Dr. G saying it. Oh, if it was in Tokyo, Dave would give it 13 stars. Like, I, I don't mean to mock Dave, but it's like, Sorry. Right. Dave deserves a mocking once in a while. It's all right. Uh, well, it's all, it's all yeah, I mean. Hey, hey I, I, we all, I mean, I love New Japan as much as the next guy, but. Uh, so looking at the uh, match lengths, which is why we had. So the the uh, the er, opening match with uh, Savage and Jake and Steamboat Hockey, 2341. Uh, the women's match was an even 20 minutes and the tag was 37 minutes. So. And uh, this one uh, ends up being a total of 22. So. Hogan uh, or is sitting there while uh, Bigelow's getting worked over by this immense pile of heel girth. Thank you, fans, uh, for picking this one. I'm actually uh, very much enjoying watching this, uh, Greg. Uh, no disrespect to Starcade '87; that's a perfectly fine show. But uh, did we really need to see the Road Warriors get screwed out of losing the titles? I know exactly. And now uh, that, of course, was just to the west of us. They weren't that far away because this is in Richfield, Ohio. And uh, uh, Stargate was just UIC uh, Pavilion. Yes, they're one state to the west in Chicago. Then uh, Crockett would try to enter Vince's domain by having that bunkhouse stampede pay-per-view in January oh, of 18 at Nassau, the same night that uh, WWF had the Royal Rumble on USA from uh, uh, Hamilton, Ontario. And that uh, did not go well because the show was shit. So <laughs> Now, Scott, I got to ask. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think... It would have been smart to have Starcade 87 in Greensboro, or do you think Chicago was the right move? Uh, well, I mean, at this point, uh, not, not a bad question, Greg. I think at this point, both promotions, both Crockett and WWF, were trying to expand. It was a race 
for turf. Hogan finally gets the hot tag, and now for the first time since WrestleMania three, Hogan and Andre in the ring together. Um, I want to say that I feel like I want to say I feel like uh, both companies were trying to like mark their turf in a war for geography. So as much as as Greensboro was a comfort zone for Crockett, just like New York and, you know, here in our neck of the woods, Greg, um, is the comfort zone for WWF. I think they were fighting for the fertile Midwest because, you know, everyone knew that both companies were both better than the AWA at this point. So, uh, no, I had no issue with uh, I have no issue with uh, them going to Chicago. I mean, Greensboro would have been an easy get, yeah. obviously, but Chicago was a very fertile sp- Plus, WWF had been in Chicago, of course. The Wrestling Classic was there. Uh, One-third. <clears throat> One-third of WrestleMania two was there. So, WWF had gotten into Chicago at that point. So, maybe Crockett wanted to... And they ended up having a good crowd. Now, they didn't go to the, the bigger venue. They went to... Oh, Hogan slams Bundy. Oh, oh hold uh, on. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I think Hogan's gotten counted out. He got counted out. You were too busy fucking around Bundy. Now Jimmy Cordero says to say, no, Hulk, you got to get out of here. You got to go, man. We both have awesome. Go comb your hair over. Go get, take a shower. Jimmy Cordero, who looks exactly like Vince, <laughs> Shane McMahon in 1987. So I remember being, when I watched it on tape, and then when I read the results in PWI, I was fairly stunned. And, of course, watching the Cindy's. I was stunned that Hogan got knocked that got knocked out. Andre's like, oh man. I mean, I gotta be stuck with whoever the hell this guy is. Who the hell's Bigelow? <laughs> Hogan stomps off. Throws a temper tantrum, but now it's all about Bigelow. This was a good showcase for him. Oh, totally. I, I This was booked very well. I mean, Bigelow taking on, I mean, literally the three of those guys probably weigh, you know, fucking 1,100 pounds. So. But this was an opportunity, you know, to give this guy some uh, some shine. He's fighting Bundy at the moment. Now, it'd be funny you mentioned Chicago, Greg, because as I mentioned earlier, uh, WWF would go back to Chicago two years later for the 89 uh, Survivor Series. That will also be at Rosemont. As a matter of fact, almost every Chicago show up to a certain point would be at Rosemont, except, of course, uh, SummerSlam 1994, which would be at uh, United Center. But then United Center ended up being like a Vince was very loyal to the guys at Rosemont. Nice move by Bigelow, and he pins Bundy. 
And now he's got to face another 400-pound Haas in uh, one-man gang. Uh, SummerSlam 94 will be at United Center, but of course, you know, United Center would pretty much become WCW turf. Plus, Vince was loyal to the guy that ran Rosemont, so um, he would go there for forever. I think I think he would do United Center for Raws, maybe? I don't think a pay-per-view went back to United Center no. after SummerSlam 94. I think he pretty much strictly stays at Rosemont. And the United Center has basically become an AEW building now. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Vince is just, uh, WWF's just loyal to Rosemont. And I mean, which is now, of course, all tell arena. And, uh, I mean, they still bring, you know, they still draw. And AEW also goes to DePaul's building. What is that? Wintrust Arena? That's where DePaul basketball is. Um, Is that the same building they had all in the first all in at? Uh, no, that was at uh, that Hoffman Estates, I think. Okay, the we're all in, be... we're all out would be for those first couple years, I think. Okay, so the one that used to be the Sears Center. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Pretty sure that's it. Let me see. I don't think that it's obviously called the Sears Center anymore because, I mean, duh. Yeah, no more Sears. So All In, the indie show, took place, yeah, Hoffman, yeah, the former Sears Center Arena, which is actually what it was called in 2018. Yeah, it was still called the Sears Center Arena. I'm sure you could get some big Black Friday deals after this show at at Sears. If you were done at the Richfield Coliseum, you could get up to go Sears the next day at, I don't know, Rolling Acres Mall or whatever. That's a deep <laughs> cut. Yes. So Bigelow just pinned one-man gang. Place is going nuts. But now Bigelow faces the big guy. Oh, the yeah. So Richfield Coliseum... Uh, closed on September 24th, 1994, and was demolished between March and May of uh, 1999. Okay. So, I'm trying to think what was the last. Uh, let's see. The last event. So besides the three Survivor Series, there was a Saturday night's main event from September of 86 that was there as well. Um, wow. So though a large arena at the time of construction, it only had one concourse for both levels. That's oh. not good. Uh. Um, the luxury suites were the worst seats in the house. Also hurting attendance was the location between I-271 and the Ohio State Route 303, which was a rural two-lane highway outside of Richfield, and, and they always had snow. So, Yeah, and that's it. Yep, Andre pins a fatigued Bigelow, and Andre, and then, of course, Hogan says, you're not getting my shine, bitch. You're not going over on me, brother. Brother. So Andre gets the win, but Hogan gets the shine. 
so like you said, so the Coliseum's fate was sealed in 1990 when voters in Cuyahoga County approved a new syntax to fund the Gateway Sports and Entertainment Complex, which included Gundarina. The Cavs moved there at the beginning of the 94-95 season. In 97, the hardwood floor was sold to Grace Christian School of Stoughton, Virginia. After being vacant for five years, the arena was torn down between March 30th and May 21st of 1999. Uh the surrounding areas were returned to the woodlands as part of the Cuyahoga Valley National Recreation Area, which is now Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So like you said, Greg, you're correct. Um, the site is now a grassy meadow and has become an important area for wildlife. So, The last concert there, I don't think this is alphabetical. Maybe it's not. Uh... The last concert there was a solo show by Roger Daltrey on September 1st, 1994. Oh. It was the last concert there. Before that, it was Whitney Houston, June 26, 94. I'm going to 87 because I'm curious if there was any sh- concerts around this time. Well, I should uh, know. My, co- my co-host on it was a thing on TV, Mike Claus, who I mentioned is a Cleveland native, went to the Coliseum to go to the Ringling Brothers Circus on his 12th birthday. He told me to mention this. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that uh, August of 87, uh, Madonna did two nights oh. in the building. And then the next concert there wasn't till February of 88, uh, Def Leppard. Was, that was probably the hysteria tour. Yeah. So now Hogan's getting a shine. But uh, just a reminder, Andre did win the match. So while Hogan's celebrating, why don't we wrap up? Uh, great show. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Um, we hope you enjoyed this month's Wrestle Tracks as we went back to Richfield, Ohio in 1987. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott C. Podfather. Please follow the brand on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We do polls. We do uh, the wrestling time travel. We do all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, of course, follow, continue following us on all of our podcast catchers. Um, and join us in December for the final Wrestle Tracks of 2023. And you will pick. It'll either be Super Clash 3, Starcade 1993, or Vengeance 2001. So you will pick. So the poll will drop on Monday, December 11th, and will stay up for one full week until December 18th and then Greg and I'll record sometime after that and the show will drop at the end of the month so while Hogan is celebrating Greg any final words well it was a thing on TV coming up this coming Wednesday will be the Thanksgiving slate on PT men pop we'll of course mention the 87 parades going to be first but then because as I mentioned Scott we've done the parade chronologically from 83 to now we're actually going to go for the second episode backwards and cover the 1982 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade also. Oh, okay. So you'll get to hear what it was like five years apart. And we have a special mini set, Scott, as Bobby and Andre are coming out here. We're going to yes. talk about, Scott, and I'm sorry to mention this. Okay. An unfortunate day in 1993 for the Dallas Cowboys. When ah yes against the dolphins, where you know what happened. As they said, poor Leon. 
Poor Leon. Actually, what makes me more mad that Leon did, that was not a big deal. We ended up winning the Super Bowl anyway. The fact that he didn't score that touchdown in Super Bowl 27, which would have given the Cowboys the all-time record for most points in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Because the score would have been 59-17, and the 59 would have broken the 49ers 55 from three years earlier. Uh, so, you know, first world problems, of course. But, <laughs> but uh Yes, I remember poor Leon in the snow of uh, the snow of uh, Dallas, if that makes any sense, uh, in 1993. Yes, I do remember that game very well. Um, but but I should mention as we're recording this, uh, Jimmy's finally going to the Ring of Honor. Yes, Jimmy is going into the uh, Ring of Honor uh, uh, in three weeks. Actually, I think it's December 30th. I think it's week like 17 or something. So yeah. I'm like, very excited about that. A long time uh, Greg, coming. Again, Yo, totally. Guys, I mean, had he stuck around, they'd have probably won four in a row. Oh, God. Uh, so, which would have been pretty awesome. Uh, in any event, that has never happened in Super Bowl history. Thank God the Patriots didn't do it. Um, Thank you, too. Yeah. So, uh, Greg, always a pleasure as Hogan grabs yep. his belt and is done for the night. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll we'll let, uh, you know, we'll, Jesse and, and uh, Gorilla are talking it out. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. And Greg and I will be joining you in about a month at the end of December for the final Wrestle Tracks of 2023. So enjoy the turkeys. Enjoy the gobbledygooker if you want to throw on the Survivor Series of 1990. Uh, and we will talk to you around Christmas on the Wrestle Tracks. Peace.